What do you want to hear? Let's give him a big round of applause. I know I can't hear you, but I know I can pick up what you're saying, baby. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad to be here. I've been on the road for uh, 10 years, so bear with me while I plaster on a fake smile and plow through this shit one more time. I get dizzy spells, nausea, cold sweats, hot sweats, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, involuntary trembling, dead hands. But we're still trying to figure out the meaning of that last phrase. There's nothing to figure out. This man is obviously a psychotic. Instantly, I regret saying that, so I'm going to go ahead and go. But I'm not going to stop yelling, because then that'll mean I lost the fight. So, I love y'all very much. Peace out. Now, I suppose you have all sorts of rosary biz and the like. No, no. This is a ghost. Maybe you should go home and rest. I can't go home. Why? The carp. You know, I thought you said. My wife's mother is visiting, Father. And Tuesday night she's cooking us a carp. It's a tasty fish. I, I have nothing against it. But because it's supposedly filled with impurities, she buys it live. And for three days it's been swimming up and down in my bathtub. Up and down. And I hate it. I can't stand the sight of it. Moving its gills. Now you're standing very close to me, Father. Have you noticed? Yes. I haven't had a bath for three days. I can't go home until the carp is asleep. Because if I see it swimming, I'll kill it.
let's get down to it, Bopper. Hey, buddies, it's the Ron Fez Show on a weekday. One of the later in the weekdays. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Ron Bennington, Fez Watley, Earl Douglas, and David McDonald. Get this thing started today. Oh, by the way, I saw Bobo on the street. And he wished me a happy Halloween, which uh, it's always lovely to hear that from a, another grown man. Have a happy Halloween. Like, I, I hope to. I hope I get plenty of candy. Fez, have you seen this dentist? Uh, I actually don't know where he is, but he's all over the news. I don't know what part of the country. But uh, he's offering to buy back the candy from children. Buck a pound. All right. He sounds like the Burgermeister Meister Burger trying to get rid of the toys. Then he sends that candy to the troops. So he's worried about the children's teeth, doesn't give a shit about the kids' teeth. This is the one time of the year when dentists can always get on TV and talk about tooth decay. The rest of the year, they're fucked. Uh, we don't need a dentist in here. But Halloween, uh, you bring the dentist in, make sure... Uh, that you don't overdo it. Obviously, you're going to have some sweets, uh, but then uh, floss and brush your teeth. Here's a giant set of teeth that I'm going to sit here on the Today Show with and pull them back and forth. And don't go to sleep with a giant caramel stuck between your molars. Never good for you. All right, the Ron and Fez Show uh, starting out today. Dave, you look like you're in a bad mood. What's up? Yeah. Earl, you're in a better mood? Much better mood. Why, why would you be a better mood when you know Tom Hanks has AIDS? It's a sad, sad day today. City of person knows how I feel today, Fez. Who's that? Denzel Washington, my attorney. Sound, the town suddenly felt cold. Remember yesterday we were doing the mummer strut, we were having fun. I just also want to say I appreciate that first bass ump so much for trying doing the right thing. He's from Kanjahakin, so good people. City. 
Ah, oh, you poor cursed city. I saw the latest medical reports. Everybody in Philadelphia has AIDS today. Every single person, man, woman, and child, has Tom Hanks disease. You know, if Lou Gehrig gets his own disease named after, why can't that be called Tom Hanks disease? Hey, Dave? Yeah, what? Head high. It's hard, though, on days like this. I know, you know it is, but guess what? We're going home. I mean, how long have we been rooting for the Phillies, me and you, Mr. B? 50, oh. 60 years? Right now, uh, between the two of us, it's been almost a week. Yeah, but that's still a long time on, like, other planets. Oh, yeah, on other planets. It's, it's a really long, long time. Sure. Or other dimensions. You know, I bring that up. Right. You know, read a little bit about Einstein. He never really believed in time. I just know that it was relative. Yeah, and what does that even mean? You know what else? Not only is time relative, you know what else is relative as? What's that? Cousins. Cousins is also relative. That's some kind of theory. Your aunt is your relative. Has this been proven? I don't know. I've never been that interested. For some reason, you are when you're a little kid. You try to figure out how everyone's related to you. And then as you get older, you'll go like this. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you're related. Let's not make a big deal out of it. <laughs> it's always That's, a shock at first, though. When you're a little kid, yeah. But when you're older, you're like, okay. Yeah, we're related. Nothing really matters anyway today. Um, No, it doesn't. Uh, the, guy, the sky was gray. And all over New Jersey, home of the world's greatest Philadelphia Phillies fans. It's just, it's a, it's a bad day. I didn't even want to come in, but, you know. You shouldn't have. I wanted to be here for you. I wanted you to, I want to give you a shoulder. That's what I, I want well, to do. Well, uh, it doesn't help if it's a wet shoulder. You need somebody <laughs> who is stronger than you. It's a bad day. Do me a favor. If you watch that movie, Philadelphia, Yeah. don't watch the end. Okay. Don't watch the end. All right. City of brotherly love. Uh, Garth in Indiana. Hey guys, I got each spot for you. Let me play this. And that means I know what you're talking about. <laughs> hey, uh, Jim Norton last night on the Jay Leno show used Big A's picture as a uh, prop. Uh, Jimmy couldn't be kinder to 202. He's really going out of his way to say. Even though I'm on top of the world, I'm going to take some Yohan and Eggers with me. I uh, did not have this chance to see it last night because uh, there was a ball game on. A ball game that will be called the game we will never remember. You know when I like a pitcher's duel, Fez? Why is that? Uh, when I like it. Oh, when? When my pitcher wins. Then I'm like, yeah, it was a good duel. I don't like a duel my guy loses. I mean, that's really mu not much of a duel. Then that's a death. Right. When you lose a duel, there's a different word for it. Just ask uh, Aaron Burr how he liked duels. I can't ask him. He's dead. <laughs> and he had really, really fucking unmanageable sideburns. I get the whole sideburn thing. But look at the king. The king made sure it stayed close to the face. Look at that Backstreet Boy. I mean, that kid fucking worked on his boards all the time. 90210. I don't know. I don't know that Very show. <laughs> what? It was a huge hit. I, I know, but I missed it. Which one had the sideburns? They both. Jason Priestley and Luke Perry. I'll tell you this. Very and, famous. And Tori Spelling. I'll tell you this. They were all hunks. 
Yeah. I was they were hot hunks. I always wanted to be them. You, I, I think you're a hot hunk. If they had some kind of a teen hunk award right now, I hope that you would win it. I'm just not feeling confident, Ryan. I'm feeling a little blue today. You know what? I'm going to... I'm going to say the same thing that my father said to me when I when I was crying when I was five years old. What's that? Go wash your cunt out. And from that point on, okay. I know. Oh, wrong guy. Wrong guy to show any fucking emotion around. Pedro pitches a fucking, uh, just a beautiful oh, game. Not even think about My it. favorite pitcher ever. Sure. Pedro Martinez. Everyone knows years and years have been rooting for Pedro. You're Pedro, man. I don't, I don't know who his daddy is, mm. but I know that he's None the of son do. of God. None of them know who their daddy is. That's the beauty of it. Uh, what is it, Lorenzo? What the fuck you want now? <laughs> well, I got uh, today's Ichibans. Another one. Right. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame concert. Yesterday, uh, Bruce and a uh, bunch of people. And tonight, U2, Metallica, and Aretha. Aretha. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> This is the only fucking song I want to hear. City of brotherly love, place I call home. Don't turn your back on me. I don't want to be Think can make me feel better today, Fez. What's that? Love of strangers. I am now going to dedicate my life to being loved by strangers. Perfect strangers. That's all I care about. Um, let's take a little bit of time to read Anthony's Twitters from last night. Um, because he's a sensitive guy. Uh, how about this? Well, it goes for and the Yankees win. Uh, came in. The next one. Okay, Philly fans, you're all cunts. What? Thought you were sweeping? Fuck your mothers. Don't give me shit because you lost. Blow me. Uh, the next one. After he's just fighting some people one on one. Oh, sorry. Yankees aren't rolling over to your fag team. My fault? Blow me. Thought you were uh, sweeping? Ha ha. Gonna look silly losing at home. And then, hey, maybe Lee can pitch the next five games. I'm really thinking you Philly fans are bigger assholes than Boston's. Congrats, cunts. He doesn't sound like a happy winner. Oh yeah, he is. Why compare us... Philly fans to Boston, though. I thought we could all agree that they suck. This really is a civil war. What's so civil about war anyway? I think Axel put it best during his some kind of, oh, we already peaked album. Hey. What, what album was that? <laughs> Use your illusion, too. Yeah. Great album. <laughs> He was getting a little political. It was nice to see. I just like that. Yesterday's don't mean nothing to me. Yesterday's. 
There's a lot of good tracks on that album. Oh, yesterday's. I don't want to lose my... I want to get my illusions back. The illusion I had yesterday. How do you lose them twice? Hear what uh, Bri Bri said to Kathleen from the Bronx? No. Not tonight, Mama. Not tonight. I'm going to put this thing to rest for the night. Here we go. What, what was he talking about? I guess they're private time. Here's uh, Dave's favorite song. Very poppy here. Yeah, it was. It was it like, a like a Christina song. This will be Dave's Friday night albums that he'll be drinking too. <laughs> Maybe a drunk twitty out are you singing this song tonight, Dave? Oh, I'm drinking tonight. My birthday's two days away. I'm getting fucked. <laughs> I'm getting fucked. <laughs> <laughs> How's that different than every other Friday? Not I, much. What else was big on this album? Estranged was big. His cover of uh, Dylan's Knock on Heaven's Door. That, that was, was from this one? That was from the uh, number two. I thought um, that was earlier for some reason. Yeah, and there's actually Locomotive, one of the best GNR songs of all time. Why didn't you just do Locomotive Breath? <laughs> but they never put out a, a video for it. There's a lot of great shit on Use Your Illusion 2, I'm telling you. Yeah, Locomotive was eight and a half minutes, It Dave. fucking <laughs> rocked. So was the one in the rain. Bum, 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 All right, maybe we need Locomotive Breath. Maybe Little Ian Anderson is the only thing that will make me feel better. I need the healing touch of music today after last night. Already Anthony tried to talk me back, and uh, I appreciate that. I don't think Anthony's ever going to make it as a psychiatrist. <laughs> he doesn't have a very delicate hand, that's for sure. It's, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Hey! Got nothing for me! Yeah! Yesterday, yeah, 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 I don't know what you're implying. This was an original <laughs> piano line. Yeah, I understand. This is original as November Rain. <laughs> uh, David. David, in case uh, you're on Fez. Hey, guys. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, I just want to say what a piece of shit he is. Uh, he canceled a concert in Kansas City Tuesday because his cousin died, but everything's all better by Thursday when he gets to play Madison Square Garden at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame deal. What's wrong with you, David? Huh? What's wrong with you? Did he not sell enough tickets here? He wasn't going to make enough money? Wasn't big enough venue for him? Uh, no, he just found his uh, his cousin's body. So, so yeah, but two days later, he's all right? 
Uh, I am not going to sit around and uh, and judge the gentleman. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to feel like I, I know what that family needs to mourn a death. There's something wrong with human beings. There's something really, really wrong with humans. And I wouldn't. I would not blame God for enough for a heartbeat for hitting a reboot and just saying that wasn't the species that should have been at the top. Next time, Fez, mm-hmm. I believe it'll be the bees. And I got that from War Games. Want to play a game? Hello, Joshua. I never said it that way. For years, I believed you until we went back and rewatched the movie. <laughs> There's a lot of things that get in your head that you think are fact uh-huh. that just aren't. And that was one of them. That, I believe, I even do better than the actor. Well, sure. I'm not <laughs> going to say that. You're a much better actor than anyone who's ever been in the movies. Acting like you care about this show for all these years has been amazing. Oh, I asked to die. Mike, you're on a fez. Hey, Ron. Yes, How's sir. How's it going? Good. Um, just because I was in a bad mood this morning because I got a ticket and the Phillies lost, I mm. think Dave should be here with a cowbell. Well, Dave is on the other side. I do have two cowbells. Oh! Ow! <laughs> City of That's just so fucking ugh. Uh, Brian in South Carolina, you're on Fez. How you doing, Ron? Yeah. I uh, I've been listening for a long time, and I've picked up. I've heard you mention a few times that you and you and Kathleen from the Bronx have some extended uh, computer conversations. You we know, have. I've just heard that in passing. Last night I was on Twitter, and I just happened to find her some of her postings. I was literally rolling on the ground laughing. That is a funny human being right there. Uh, the old gal is very very amusing. What did she write that was so funny? I something. I, I, that's the thing. It just fr- from any direction, pick a direction, and here it comes, and it's something usually yeah. very profound. I will just tell you something the, about our, our Kathleen from the Bronx, who really is uh, just a jewel of a person. And I shouldn't give this away because it's not signed, but there's talks about her starring in uh, Saturday Night Fever three. And it's it's wow. almost going to be like Karate Kid 3, where the girl took over. Mm-hmm. All right, Fez, you remember last week, uh, Anthony wrote, uh, Ronnie B can take all the Phillies' dicks in the ass. Right. City of love, you got to remember, that's what killed Tom Hanks. Uh, this actually uh, was written to Anthony a week late on Twitter. And one good thing about Twitter is you can read everybody else's messages, but this got written to Anthony. I will not let you talk about my pal Ron B like that. You got the wrong show host, asshole. 
Who said that one? Earl, can you guess whose Twitter that was? I will say Pat from Monaki. No, Pat from Monaki has never been there for me. I was going to say Rorschach. Nice call, but no, Rorschach doesn't give a fuck about me. Fez? I was going to say the Z-Man, Tommy Z. No. Tommy Z has never stuck his uh, neck out and has no idea how to use Twitter. That was our own Mafia Life Chris. Mafia Life Chris has turned on his Italian brother. And, it's, and just a little while later, he yells, the Yankees win. All happy. But there's a new radio war. Mafia Life Chris against Anthony. A week late for Chris, but he still protects my honor. He's protecting my honor right now. Um, what are we going to do about it all? What are we going to do? Uh, here's our pal Jameson. Jameson. Hey, guys. Uh, Ichiban slash spy report from last night. Right, hold on. Let me hit them uh, both then. It's first, first it's an Ichiban. Ichiban. It moves in the spy report. Spy report. Yes. Thank you. Uh, last night at Terminal 5, our own Mikey background, along with uh, Brother Joe, absolutely destroying at Terminal 5 there in New York City. And uh, I think they were getting prepped for their show next week, Wednesday night at the 620 Lounge, Patchogue, New York, 620 Waverly Avenue, Patchogue, Long Island. All right. I'm glad to hear it. And I'll tell you something else. There's been talk about music, moving the drums up front. Like with Levon Helm, that Mikey background is such a draw right now, and from what I understand, the teen gals love him. I guess. Guess it makes sense. I'm gonna ask him to do this song for me. City of What do you think would be worse, losing the series or having AIDS? Losing the series, definitely. Would you do me a favor and tell your phone screener not to laugh? Because scruffy, scruffy, smarten the fuck up. It's Friday. It's not a day off. We're still working. I like your attitude with that. It's not a day off. You got to remind him. People think it's Fridays. We just have a jerk off party. <laughs> Maybe we, we do. Should. Maybe we should just have a jerk off party today and just start jerking off. If Mikey I don't wanna be alone. Mikey Background's gonna learn to play that song for you. He better learn piano. Ain't uh, no drums on that thing. Ain't no sunshine. Oh, good. Like, can I tell you something about Mikey Background? The man loves his music. He lives for music. I hope one day he'll be Mikey Foreground. Or Mikey Foreskin. Which I think would be a great <laughs> punk name for him. What's the greatest punk name of all time, Earl? Buzzcocks. Mm. What about single name? Like when they, you know, would do a funny single name for themselves. Um, there was a band called Death. <laughs> that was pretty straightforward. What doesn't he understand about a fucking person's name? Just a person's name. Oh, a person's name. So, um, what, what do you think, Dave? Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious. Good call, Fezzy. Johnny Rotten. Staying with the same band. Did... Um, I'll just give it to you. Joe Strummer. I mean, this is crazy. That was good. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um, 
Uh, let's go to Andy in Cleveland. Andy, what do you got? Hey, Ernie. Yeah, I got an Ichiban for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a little bit of a Wild West action out here in Cleveland. Uh, we have a gang of masked thieves hitting high-stakes poker games. Uh, news reports have them netting anywhere from 11000 to $15,000. They're, they're holding these guys up with pepper spray. With just pepper spray? Uh, apparently, I guess they're, they haven't actually fired any weapons, but I guess the, the people who have been ripped off uh, said that they, they hit them with pepper spray before they took off. Like they, they made them actually take their pants off, and then uh, they hit them with the eyes of pepper spray, and then they run off with the money. All right, here is my radio psychic on this. Radio psychic. Radio psychic. When they find out who these masked th- uh, thieves are, mm-hmm. they're cops. They are cops who've been watching these games, realizing uh, we can hit this. I wish I was a detective. And by that, I meant I wish I could hit minorities and nobody would say anything about it. Earl, we might be acting that out later today. Oh, but they kind put, put the hat on, Earl. No. Put the, the hat on. Hat. No, no, no. Hat. Earl. Not today. Put the, the hat. Today, because I'm going to. The well, hat. You know yeah. what I'm going through. Uh, here's Kevin. Kevin, you're my first. Ronnie being my brother. Not to worry. I got a Rocky Patel lit. Picking the boys up. We're heading to Philly. We're going to wake up the whiz kids and take out the Yanks. <laughs> wake up the whiz kids. Uh, well, uh, so what, are you you there for game three? Yeah, my uh, friend of ours is the pitching coach for Stubie. Oh, wish. Uh, so where are your seats? Uh, we haven't picked the tickets up yet. We just got confirmation today. We got to pick them up at the window. Beautiful man, enjoy the game. Really, the really Rocky, have fun. I got a rocket for telling a life for you, Ronnie. When I'm on Broad Street, watch the parade, my friends. I can only say one thing. You know, people keep bringing up the Whiz Kids. I'm thinking more Gene Mock. I really am. It's the collapse of '64 is fucking happening, and it's happening all around me. City of Gene Mock. You motherfucker. Go ahead, Blowhard. Give it to me. Gene Mark. I'm thinking more Danny Ozark or Frank Lucchese. God bless Danny Ozark. Rest of them, bless them all. Listen, did I hear somebody compare Philly fans to Boston? They're not even in the same ballpark. Boston leads all major leagues in total assholeism. Philly's not even close. See, we can't even win that. Let me tell you something. I don't like you calling here saying something about da- Danny Ozark Mountain Daredevils, the man that <laughs> I actually played once for Dream Week. I'm not even kidding you this. When we played all the other, we played like the all-star teams from every Dream Week, uh, Ozark was our manager. And the last game, he was trying to fire us up and said, come on, guys, win. I can't even get a heart on anymore. (laughs) And I go, Danny, why did we collapse in the 70s, you fuck? Well, I did not besmirch Mr. Rosak, if that's what you're thinking. But the reason I called is, I have to ask you, Ronnie B., now that you're living in New York, Mm -hmm. will the 10-year rule apply to you? No, I I think you stay with your boyhood team. Even though you're going to be living here probably for the rest of your life, in New York, you're going to be loyal down to the Phillies, or you're going to bounce around and maybe jump on the Yankee bandwagon. And I think it's time that Fez takes a stand on this World Series. I know he's excited about getting the free black taco on Halloween, but other than that, Fez, you've got to watch the series and take a team. He, he only knows this, Blowhard, that no one gets tackled. 
<laughs> he doesn't understand a game unless someone gets tackled. We got to get him in. Fez, come on. Why don't you just jump on one side? I haven't watched any of this. But it's exciting. It's the World Series for God's What was sake. this about free tacos? Here's what Fez is going to do. <laughs> While we're watching the game, he's going to make snacks for us and bring them in. Because that's my way of having fun. I like to keep the boys uh, nice and happy. I don't mind taking care of my men. That's nice, Fezzy. He's bringing over the ice cream cake to Ron's house? <laughs> you know, let me just say something. We say a lot of fucked up things about Fez. Oh, I and, Fez. and we write them pretty hard. Yeah. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Yeah. Huh? That's it? Oh, I was just saying. Oh. I mean, when you really think about it, we treat him like a ton of shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm, that's all. Mm. And that's from the heart, Fezzy. I just want you to know that. Now I, I look like a fucking chick, don't I? <laughs> now I look like a chick. Trust me, I know it. Free tacos, Fez, on Halloween at Taco Bell. Blackjack taco? A repulsive-looking black taco. Why Why are these fucking fast food places giving away food? The fucking the, the barbecue chicken, they're just throwing out in the street and telling people to grab it. I, I think it's a plot. I, I think it's doing that before. I think it's like Soylent Green. Um, God knows that thing looks repulsive. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. Well, I, I can't tell you the last time I ate fast food. All right, Blowhard, it's nice to hear you sounding happier. All right, let's have a fun series this weekend. Hey, Blowhard, stay in your empire state of mind. That's right, always. Oh, <laughs> uh, Word. Um, did you watch that opening last night, Earl? I refused to do it. I couldn't do it. I was like, uh, gonna be here's no. one thing I will, and I busted the Yankees fucking fans' balls a little bit this week, but I was very proud of them for booing when he said he made the fucking Yankee cap more popular <laughs> by wearing it. And uh, Elisa Keys, I just want to point this out to you. The uh, Weight Watchers is using a point system now. Because <laughs> 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 she's a beautiful girl. Yes. But she got a little thick. Hey, Ronnie, who's yeah. singing in Philadelphia this weekend? You got Bobby Rydell, Fabian, what's the deal? I'd be, I'd be proud to see either one of them. <laughs> I'd love it, too. <laughs> I'd be proud to see Bobby Rydell roll out there. I don't know who they got. Well, I guess they're going to roll Patty LaBelle out for the 900th the weekend, time. And you got Giants, uh, Eagles, you got Sixers, Knicks. It's a great Philly, New York weekend. Um, Vinny, Vinny in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to call and say that uh, Blowhard's talking out his ass. The fucking Bosom fans aren't the biggest assholes. Uh, who is? Zip it out one. Well, who is then? What city? New what York. City? New York. <laughs> <laughs> you guys chant Yankee sucks when you go to church, for God's sakes. I mean, you can't get us out of your head. And you get one fluky year, and you're still being dominated, and you're Two. still the Yankees bitches. It's always going to be that way. Philadelphia is not even close to being in the area of assholeism when it comes to Boston. Let's face it, you give us you give us the Kennedys, you give us the Red Sox, that's enough. Hey, I agree with you on the Kennedys, but the Red Sox, the Fire Patriots, the Bruins and the Celtics, the fans of those teams are much better than any of you Yankee douchebags. Yeah. Okay, well how about those Patriots and them Giants? Hey, that was a real good one. Yeah, I, Why I move know, the fucking Florida then? You love it so much. Day. Why not fucking stay up there? All we right, Blowhard. Chowder. Our chowder knocks your chowder out. New England clam chowder is nothing like Manhattan clam chowder. The same way a Philly cheesesteak has nothing to do with the New York strip sirloin. Let's just be honest here. Yeah, that's a famous fucking sandwich. 
<laughs> I actually can't get a fucking sandwich in Manhattan. I just think the sandwich is dead now. Well, then go and get the black taco on Halloween. I will. I'm going to be standing in line with Fez, going like this. I'm going to put my mask on and come back and get a new free one. Blackjack taco. <laughs> Coral. Coral. You're on my Fez. What's up, Carl? Hey, uh, I'm just wondering, if, uh, the Yankees going to drive to Philly or they're going to fly? Well, why is this so interesting to people? I don't know why, but everyone just seems to be asking this. How are they going to travel? These guys make their way around 162 times during the fucking season. The travel fans are, uh, plans are taken care of. They're going to ride down with their moms. The team moms are going to drive. Joe Buck was saying that it was uh, two, uh, over two hours on I-95, but I don't know any person who lives in Philly or Manhattan who only takes I-95 all the way down there. Well, how do you go? Well, you should take the turnpike to Garden State Parkway, which gets you off then at I-95 when you're close to Philly. Then you're right there. You know all the good batch roads. Just letting you guys know. Yesterday's got nothing to me. Great song, Axel. Have they ever done anything you don't like? Um, I wasn't so high on Spaghetti Incident, but I do think that <laughs> there were some good songs that, on that album. But, you know, I'm not a big fan of cover albums in general. Did the, is that when they did um, Sympathy on that one? No, they did that only for Interview with the Vampire, but but they did, um, that was the one that they did, Since I Always Love You, You. And then the Charlie Manson one was on that? Charlie Manson was on that one, and um, Hair of the Dog, and a bunch of other songs, too. They'd already given up. <laughs> Johnny Thunder songs are on there. Yeah, that's right. That was called We Give Up. I'm trying to find a way to get rid of Slash <laughs> and keep all the money for myself. Yesterday's got nothing on me. Chinese democracy is real good, though. I'm serious. It's one of the more underrated <laughs> My albums. favorite fucking track on uh, China, uh, Chinese democracy is, Ah, oh, they're great. We get to vote now. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, we might be thinking of different albums. Well, we always are. All right, so we're on show today on... Um, I don't know, one of the weekdays. I'm going to guess today's Tuesday. It's Friday. That's better news. That's always great when you find out it's Friday. And this weekend we fall ahead? That's right, yeah. All right, so, the clock's change. So we're an hour more daylight. An hour more daylight as we fall ahead. Earl, do you like uh, less daylight? And I like more. I like when it, we uh, we spring forward. Do you ever do you ever worry that we won't be able to find you at night? Uh you know, it's actually starting to happen where cars can't see me when I'm crossing the oh, street. Oh, they see you. They fucking see you. <laughs> Do you actually think you're getting blacker? Blacker Earl would be a great name. <laughs> Earl, what brought you in here at the fucking, uh, just the, the crack of 11 today? Well, <laughs> everyone kept riding me on it, so. I know, but I'd rather you came late and then we could fu start fucking yelling at you. Now we got to vote. Oh, this is great. Thanks, Axel. Thanks for voting privileges. And that album was banned in China. Yeah. <laughs> because they said the main reason is no one had a fucking CD player after all these years. <laughs> I read this thing. Google claims this. In five years, most of the Internet 
is going to be written in Chinese. That's how big this thing is going to explode with China. Most of the Internet is going to be in the language of Chinese. I think that makes sense because they have the majority of the population now. And everybody's going to have a fucking computer. I like them better when they just took care of rice patties for fucking generations. Now they're just going to be like us fucking walking around with blackberries. Total consumers. Yeah, that's all life is. We're going to have to bone up on our Chinese. Well, it's going to be one of those things where they used to tell you, you know, have your kids learn Spanish. Now it's going to have your kids learn Chinese. Any kid who speaks Spanish is going to look like a fucking douchebag. I was in junior high. They, they made us learn French. I'm like, who speaks French these days? French people. I know French. But well, didn't you get the choice between French and uh, Spanish in seventh grade? They, um, sixth grade, it was, it was mandatory. I had to take French. I was like, why? And then, I, and then seventh grade, I had it. Why do you say this? They know French, black peoples. <laughs> French is still a very big business language in Europe. That's their common business language. Plus, it's perfect pussy. True. The French have perfect pussy. I mean, it's better than learning a dead language like Latin, which they made me learn well, every that's fucking Catholic year. Yeah. Way to fucking pull out your Catholic point, then. <laughs> Carpe diem, I get it. I saw the poets decide. I get it. We go to Mass. <laughs> There's nothing but... Uh, I love a Latin Mass because you don't know a fucking thing they're saying. You just sit there and hear it. They could be cursing you out as far as you they know. They could do whatever they want. I don't care. I'd rather not understand you. It's like when I'm in a restaurant in Manhattan... I'd much rather be surrounded by foreigners listening to them speak than people I can understand. Because when you don't understand them, like they're Italian or they're French or whatever, you're like, this sounds like really great. It sounds beautiful. But if you understand what people are saying, they sound like a couple of fucking assholes <laughs> sitting around talking about reality TV all day. <laughs> I study Latin, and I can't even tell the difference between that and pig Latin. They're the same. <laughs> you even can't that's... tell the difference between your mom and pig Latin. <laughs> See what I did there, you mama yeah, you joke. Hurt me. <laughs> you hurt my feelings. You got the big uh, birthday uh, this weekend, huh? Yeah. And my parents are forcing me to have dinner with them tomorrow when I don't want to. Oh, birthday party. I don't want to, though, because I want to. Did you invite Fez to your birthday party? <laughs> there is no, I mean, like, they want me and my wife and my kids to load up. Yeah, just right past them. <laughs> I didn't, uh, there is no party, but my parents are demanding that I come over. I guarantee, I guarantee you Dean and Joey are going to be there. Oh, I know. We hear there's no party, and then we'll hear everyone who went to the no party <laughs> on Monday. This is just a family thing. And anyway, my, they're, they're swearing I, have, I must come over, and I'm saying, it's my birthday. You must. My, my wish for my birthday is not to have dinner with you guys on Saturday. Yeah, well, you're past the birthday is a big deal thing. Yeah, and it's like I'm trying to convince them because I know I'm going to be drinking tonight, and I have special delivery tomorrow, so I want to just rest tomorrow, uh, Saturday. And, they're de and I'm like, you got to prepare for a bad show. <laughs> a great show. We have a oh. huge show prepared. But the thing is, it, it's upsetting because... Then you're not respecting my birthday. So is my birthday about me or you? I got a premise, <laughs> too, for you and uh, for your special delivery show with Sam. Okay. Uh, best wrestling acting role ever oh, in a film. Oh, God. Because I know you guys like the movies and you like the uh, wrestlers. I love it. Best wrestler turn best in a film. wrestling actor turn. Yeah. I'm writing that down. That's fantastic. All right, Fez, uh, so you know about uh, Ron Bennington's line, line of the day on Whack Bag. Right. And you were saying, oh, you know, 
the message board stuff is dead. What about Ronnie B quotes on Twitter? Um, and I still say, you know, the granddaddy of them all, Ron Bennington's line of the day on Whackback, blew away all the other message boards, including the one named after me. So the Ronnie B quotes, we put them up on 202 Friends. Please enjoy. It's a nice thing you're doing. I get there yesterday. Two Laszlo quotes in it? Come on. Do you think Arch would have ever let that happen over at Whackbag? Police yourselves. You want to start a Laszlo quotes, fine. But don't sit there and jam up the Ronnie B quotes with it. This is the kind of day I had yesterday, Fez. Matt in Indiana, you're on my face. Hey, Ronnie, how you doing today? What do you say? Just want to let you know, I was in Philly for the first time this past week. Had the best sandwiches of my lifetime. I went down to Pat's, had, had one with without, went across the street to Geno's, with without, Pat's wins. Love it. I can't even think about that. I wish they'd both burn down right now after last night. That's or Gino's, Ronnie. I don't care. It's like fucking saying, what's your favorite Times Square restaurant? <laughs> Olive Garden. Stand in fucking line with the rubes. So much better places to eat there. I'll tell you one thing. One thing we did learn last night, there can be a worse day than 9-11. I used to think there couldn't be. Worse than the worst uh, terrorist attack ever in the country. He's not a baseball fan. He's not. And he's actually not even a Ronnie B fan. If there's one person who hates me in this world, it's Fez Watley. I don't hate you. You know how you do the passive-aggressive thing? Do you know how much more I would uh, would respect you if you were just aggressive-aggressive? I'd rather you hit me in the back of the head with a fucking shovel. It'd be kinder. I am not going to do that. No, because you're too lazy to pick up a fucking shovel. Well, the arm strength alone, I would have trouble. What's wrong with your arm strength? I don't know. I just, uh, weak, weak thumbs, weak wrists. You have a weak wrist? Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why you don't check off. Oh, no. you fucking missed it. No, uh, I didn't do anything. Dave, yes, you did. I was fucking selling you out. When you had a weak wrist, he was doing the floppy fag wrist like this. Oh, all right. <laughs> That's how he fucking no, gets you. Maybe I, I will show up for this birthday party and ruin everybody's day. You I won't. You're I too was, fucking lazy. I was trying to think of ways to, to exercise my wrists. <laughs> That's all actually I was doing. It turned out that it was a coincidence. Then why did you shriek when you got caught? <laughs> the fucking, here's the saddest thing. And this goes to show you what a loser poor Dave is. The best joke he's ever had on the fucking show is visual. <laughs> it's pantomime. It's awesome. Yeah, that was a fucking great joke. And then I look over and his Fez look like a douchebag. Doesn't even know that you're doing it behind his back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now he's got his tongue What's he stuck. doing now? He's got his tongue out. He's fucking doing the elephant ears. All right, now he's giving you the Mafia Life Chris. Fuck you from the chin. Curse. The Which eye of his chins is he doing it from? <laughs> <laughs>
Not everyone can be as slender as you, Watley. Uh, I've lost seven pounds. Earl, put the hat on. No. Put, put the hat, hat on. Earl. Put the hat on. Oh, you'll like this with the Redskins. We were talking yesterday. They can't have signs. They have now told the media no interviewing people at tailgate parties. <laughs> You are no longer welcome to come into their parking lot and say, what do you think about the fucking Redskins? <laughs> they are under lockdown. If they paid this much fucking attention to an offensive game plan, they might be going somewhere. Speaking of Chinese democracy, <laughs> with Daniel hey, Snyder's running over there. I'm having a hamburger. I'm trying to talk in the news. <laughs> Now, I heard that uh, this may top the Redskins. I've heard Browns fans have been told, stay seated. Do not stand up during the game, or you could risk ejection for standing up during the game. Well, it's the same thing that you talked about before, is that fucking people are paying so much money for a seat. They don't want to, They freak if anyone's standing up now. It's like a fucking concert when you get to the classic rock days. It used to be everybody could stand up and dance, and now it's like, shut the fuck down! I spent $250 for these two seats, and you're dancing! What happened to people? People don't want to fucking, they want to fucking just treat everything like it's their house. Well, fans in general have gotten lazier because of all the extra shit that goes on. Just watching the scoreboard and playing trivia games and just all the nonsense. They have gotten it. I saw this sign the other day. They just brought a D. This is how lazy they've gotten. <laughs> Where's your fucking picket fence to go with that? There's another thing that goes to show you how hack people are. There's other kind of fences besides a picket fence. Use any of the others. Chain link? Yeah, of course. Chicken you, wire fence. You guys want to just name off fucking fences? Go ahead and do it. I'm not going to stop you. Barbed wire fence. Mm -hmm. That's true. Just use one of those fencing swords. <sighs> Let me just play this. City of I just want to light candles and take a find a wall and put up pictures of missing bats. I would have bet cash money that they would have lost the fucking first game with fucking CC and then won the second. That's how come you can't fucking bet on baseball. You're insane to try. Burnett is a weird, weird egg to solve. I mean, if you had to guess which fucking game the Yankees were going to drop. Oh. I would, I would, you would have said the second game. I would have said the second game. And absolutely. you would have thought they would have came out fucking screaming at first. And actually, their, their bats haven't woke up yet either. A-Rod's 0 for 8 with six strikeouts. Mr. Fucking October. What? There he is. There's your fucking hero. Truth be told, the starting pitching overall has been very good. It's been great. That actually has. These games are just fucking really show who the two best teams are. But for some reason, the fucking nons hate pitching. <laughs> Those are the best games. I mean, I don't know how you could be a fan of fucking baseball and on either team and not just be fucking amazed at the way the ball's been dropping for fucking all these pitchers. That fucking cutter Cliff Lee was throwing the other night, unhittable. Yeah, no, no um, 
there was like a couple of physicists who said the ball really doesn't drop. It's enough. I was like, what who do you said that? There's, I don't know which physicist, but they uh, several physicists always said the ball they really doesn't drop. They already proved this back in the fucking 30s when they set it up with the fucking cones or whatever, where they had to go through those fucking sticks. I mean, I don't agree with it. I mean, but, you know. They, no physicist would fucking say that. The ball drops. <laughs> it moves. You could fucking do that playing in your backyard. <laughs> what the fuck? I think it's crazy. Like, There's a lot of physicists who don't believe a Frisbee can fucking fly. Many physicists say a boomerang never comes back to you. You start walking and walk and, and end up where it, it comes. Fred Hawking, Stephen Hawking's retarded <laughs> brother, was the guy who came up with this theory. The whole Hawking family understands. <laughs> City of brotherly love. Ah, oh, Jesus. I don't know what to do anymore, Earl. Maybe I should just fucking break. Maybe I should break and we won't come back. Still got a couple of games running. Fez, did you watch all your stupid fucking Thursday night uh, shows? No, actually, I just I missed just about everything. Oh, I did watch um, the what uh, did you do Flash last Forward. Night? What did you do last night? I was just on the phone a lot last night. One of those fucking gay chat lines. <laughs> no, it wasn't a 1-900 line. If you were here right now, I'd be rubbing your balls. Oh, God, I put my chin right in your asshole. I, Seriously. Seriously, I would. By the way, I don't even... It's one thing that fucking... I don't know what fucking guys say in other guys. I don't even know what chicks say in guys. <laughs> if I was a chick, I'd either eat pussy or kill myself. <laughs> I think guys are just fucking disgusting. You're a sloppy lot. I would actually probably, if I was a fucking woman, I'd fuck a donkey before a guy. I think they're all disgusting. Like, fucking people have to point out to me who's an attractive man. It's always <laughs> fucking shocking to me when I find out that that, like, what was the one that they all liked, Mr. Big, a couple years ago? Oh, yeah. Chris Noth, I think yeah. his name is. I don't know what his name is. Yeah. But the women liked him. And I'm like, really? Because I think he looks the same as Big A. I would not be able <laughs> If you had a fucking lineup, I'm, I, I'm not even fucking around for a second. I would not be able to pick between that guy and Big A. I don't know why one of them gets a lot of chicks and the other one's, uh, you know, reduced to jacking off on Pal Talk. I don't get the difference. By the way, Big A sent me, and this is why he's such a lovely, lovely man. Uh, Mafia Life Chris had him do an apology yesterday for his phone going off during an unmask. And he said he means no disrespect to anyone. And that's why he's a big NBC star, Fezzi, and you're not. You've never once apologized. Big A. Big A. Big A. Class personified. Uh, Big A. Rocking the Lendo show. Big A. Big A. Going prime time and taking names. Big A. Big A. Wearing tails. <laughs> with a national broadcasting company. Big A. Letting his cell phone go off every which way. Big A. <laughs> Big A. Got to take the calls. Very important, Big A. <laughs> yeah, what's so important that his phone is ringing? What's the difference? The guy fucking is making things move and shake. Mm -hmm. Somebody need a cab. By walking. <laughs> Big A. Uh, Vince, Venture and Fez. Hiya, buddies. Yeah. Happy birthday, Dave. Hey. Um, yeah, today should be Ron Dave's birthday party It is. Here. 
Yeah. Ronnie, you're about, you're about the most worldly guy I know. Mm. I'm wondering, did you uh, or do you remember uh, Beggar's Night the night before Halloween? Uh, if, in, in my neighborhood, we used to do Mischief Night. We called it Mischief Night. Dave, what do they call it in Jersey? Mischief Night. Oh, I thought there was a different name. No, no, Jersey. no. Mischief Night, October 30th, definitely. Yeah. That was the day that you go out and fuck with people? Yeah, egg people and toilet paper and foam. Yeah. No, no, no. That was the night where you uh, where you went out and knocked and said beggar's night and you got candy. That's what fucking so Halloween got... is. Well, yeah, but you got to double up on the night before. Nah, uh, you wouldn't be able to fucking play that at my house. <laughs> Did you have to dress as beggars? <laughs> How much candy could you possibly get? Who would be ready? What kind of candy do you get for the kid? I try to go with that uh, variety pack that has like a the miniature Nestle Crunch, Kit Kat, Mr. Good Bar in it. You give them to them all? You give them the whole pack? Um, what I usually, no, they're like the mini bars, so I usually give like two per customer. Oh, that's fucking cheap. You kids of my, they come to my house, they give them 70 bucks each. <laughs> Jesus, I'm going to come to your house. <laughs> I'll be there with a balloon dad outfit on. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a lot of balloon boys. If I run out of candy, I try to give out state quarters. Uh, why? <laughs> because if I don't have candy, I have to give them something. Well, give them the fucking cash. No kid wants a quarter. What are you going to do with a quarter? It's like giving them lint. It's the commemorative state quarters that are out. <laughs> oh, yeah, because kids are collectors. <laughs> what are you going to do? Go do laundry? What? <laughs> That's what he fucking, and he wonders why fucking kids say, you know what. <laughs> the worst thing to get was always those, someone in the neighborhood would always give uh, away. Oh, hold on, it's memory lane. Here comes Watley. Halloween. I remember the 70s. <laughs> those Halloween pencils. Absolute worst. Yeah, here's something to remind me of school. Thanks a lot. Scott, you're in front of us. Hey, buddy. Hey, Ronnie, we used to call it date night the night before Halloween for some reason. Yeah, I, I'm never fucking uh, familiar with that. And some places call it a hell night. Uh, Detroit, where they will burn the city down. Uh, here's Anthony. You're on Fez. Yeah, hey, buddies. Hey, Fez, did you uh, clean up your apartment? Maybe get that bottle of Febreze out so when you open the door, the little kids don't say that your apartment smells? My apartment is totally clean. What did they say last year? Uh there was a little girl with her mother who I gave candy to, and as she was walking away, she looks at her mom and says, his apartment stinks. And she did the hold her, hold her nose PU move at me. And her mother told her well, that wasn't very nice. And she waited till after she got my candy. Well, you would have taken back it. the commemorative quarter, <laughs> cheap fuck. James in Jersey. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I love those houses that leave the bowl of candy out on the steps. You just dump the whole damn thing in your bag. Hmm. It's not a proper term. I don't care if it is. Uh, Halloween Eve. Is that what you're going out as this year? No. Why don't you go out as fucking Wiggy, the retarded gay guy? <laughs> you know what? This isn't me talking. It's this, Fez. <laughs> That's all. That's why I'm being mean. Okay. You know how I feel. You know how I feel. I think I do. I love you like you're a retarded gay guy. All right, I got a break here because I don't want to do this show anymore. I might even just fucking call it off.
Let's shut the show down. Make you listen to bad GNR for fucking three hours. No such thing. There's none of it's bad. No, I mean, I, I named you a couple songs from Spaghetti Incident, but besides that, the entire catalog is, is well worth listening. You do love them, so. <laughs> so cute. It's so cute how he sticks with his little bands. He loves them. You know I fuck with you, Dave. Uh, you know why, though, right? No, I don't. Hate you. Okay, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what I, Oh, shit. You know what I'm going through right now. Yeah, I'm with you, though. I'm rooting for Are you. you? Yes! Don't turn your back on me. I don't want to be. Alright, let's break. We come back. Uh, Earl, you had something on your mind. You said you wanted to get off your chest. Something's really bothering you. What is it? Um, well, is it, well, I can't even really. You can't put it in words? I, yeah. Unfortunately, that's what we do. For I know. <sighs> but actually, I have very good news. I have some really, really... All right, so the thing that you can't say is really, really good news. Yeah, I actually have some very good news. I found it out last night, but very good news. All right, when we come back, Earl's pregnant. Run a Fez show. What the hell does that mean? That means whatever the hell you want it to mean. You're saying you want a piece of me? I can drop you like a bag of dirt. You want a piece of me? You got it! Around a Fez show. Uh, the latest uh, shit to stick to uh, Brett Favre's cleats. Uh, now his old Packer teammates are mad at him. Not even the the the. I mean, I'm going back to the '90s old, because Favre told reporters that the Viking team that he's playing on now is the best uh, team he's ever played on. This surprises me that Brett Favre would try to get into this kind of trash talking. With, for the game coming up this weekend. What makes you think that it's trash-talking? Well, it sounds like he's trying to get in the Packers' heads. No, because those guys are already retired. What he's saying is the guys that he's playing with now uh, is the best team that he's ever played on. It always surprises me that anyone would think that you're not supposed to be loyal to the guys that you're with now. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like no one's going to sit around and go like this. Oh, the best radio station I ever was on was 95 <laughs> Wouldn't Wouldn't that sound fucking awful, you know? Uh, best girlfriend I ever had was in high school. <laughs> Not this woman that I'm with. It's insane. <laughs> Why wouldn't you just try to pump up the people that you're with now? Earl, does this surprise you, or does it seem like common sense? It seems like common sense. You're, you're basically you're supporting your teammates. You're, right. you're making your teammates sound bigger than they already are. And you already want a fucking ring for the other ones. Who cares? Earl, this is, uh, Dave, you're a Favre hater. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's planned like Fez, is, like Fez said, but yeah. I don't agree with Earl either. I think it's just Brett Favre being impulsive. Brett Favre only thinking about Brett Favre. Yeah, he is. He's thinking about today. But it's, it is just Yesterdays don't mean nothing to him. <laughs> oh, yesterdays. He could take a page out of Jeter's book. Who always compliments, you know, all of his team uh, mates, no matter. By the way, I did. saw the thing that um, that he had to say about Pedro. Like, oh god, Pedro! It's one of the best pitchers in uh, baseball, 
it's so much fun to play against him. He's saying he just couldn't be more of a compliment at the same time saying, you know, we're going to be really up for this game. But he doesn't say Pedro's a douchebag. I mean, as the the guy who never steps on the line, fucking Jeter does a great job at it. Of he's, just fucking lying to reporters all the time. <laughs> he's better than the president. And, and, and he's better than all of the presidents. It, it might be me, but he's like a tan G.I. Joe. <laughs> and that if a G.I. Joe had a nice, healthy tan. Yeah, he never. I don't think. I don't. I can't even remember him ripping a team in. Mm-mm. Saying like, you know, it was a stupid play. It was. This, yeah, all this that. stuff between him and A. Rod only got said by either A. Rod or the reporters. He didn't get shit from Jeter. <laughs> the only time, and this was kind of off the field when Chad Curtis, this dorky utility guy for the Yankees, kind of said that Jeter should have. When there was a brawl between you know the Yankees and the Rangers, he said that Jeter should have been out and and not conversing with A. Rod. So, like, a couple weeks later, Chad Curtis was gone from the team. Yeah, that's how it happens. Just, like, he'll say it back, so, like, yeah. that guy's done. He's yeah, like, bye-bye. I got this good news for you, Skip. You're making a trade. <laughs> Very Michael Corleone-esque. <laughs> Although that thing last night with him trying to bump with two fucking strikes. That was a boneheaded play. That, that was the single stupidest thing I have ever seen him Jimmy do. Jimmy Rollins, my boy. The, fir- the first time I've ever seen him do something really stupid on the yeah. field. Jimmy Rollins wouldn't have done that. No. That's why right now I think we, the, we Philly fans have the edge at shortstop. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure you do, Dave. Even he had a tough wait, time wait. getting that out. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Our shortstop has won an MVP. Has um, your shortstop won MVP? Uh, I believe he has won four rings, a uh, World Series MVP, the Rookie of the Year. Has he won an All-Star Game MVP? All-Star Game MVP. How about for the year? Not for the year. He That's going to keep him out of the fucking hall. <laughs> That's going to keep him out of the hall of fame. <laughs> he should have won it. Two, he should win it this year. He should have won it, I believe, two years ago. Yeah, you didn't. Should is doesn't fucking help, Phil Rizzuto. Uh, Earl's got some big news for us. What is the news, Earl? Um, got an email yesterday. That's great. From, Fantastic. Uh, great news, buddy. Come here and give me a hug. <laughs> from my friend Tim, <laughs> and he just and it was just like, dude, you're in Billboard. So I, he sent me a link, and there was a story on Living Colors uh, performance last week at CMJ, and my photo accompanies the story in Billboard magazine. Throwing a bra on stage. Not throwing a broad. They used one of my shots, and uh, yeah, and it just you know gave me a photo credit and everything. So I was really psyched. It was a nice way to end the day. So Billboard magazine likes pictures of puddles. <laughs> I don't know. There's the picture. You, this is, I guess, after you got busted. Usual suspect picture. <laughs> well, uh, it's just at this place called Angels and Kings, which is owned by uh, co-owned by Pete Wentz of the band uh, Fallout Boy, and every celebrity that comes through, they have this little mock. Um, Mugshot set up, and all the celebs that come through, they have them take a picture, and I took that particular photo. And is it in the magazine or just online? Um, I believe it is online. I'm Are not you, sure. I haven't seen the magazine. Do but you now consider yourself a published photographer? I yes. I mean, I, I'm psyched. It has my gives me a proper credit, which is the first time that it's happened for me. So this is this is really cool. I'm really excited about it. You've had proper qu- credits before. Um, Your pictures were in a book. No, the first, the first edition. Um, I remember Norton was telling me that he was apologizing to me. He's like, "Sorry, I didn't get you the credit." I was like, "I, I was like, I'm in a book. I don't." That oh, really, was the second edition. The your second name? edition was uh, got my name in it, but the first edition. I remember Norton was really upset about. it. I was like, "Don't, don't worry about it, Jim." But, but this. Why is, don't you see if you can't take the next picture of Big A for him and get that up there <laughs> instead of E Rock getting all the fucking fame and glory. 
But, uh, it was a nice way to end the day and pleasantly surprised. So, you, so you've been a billboard and a book and anything else with your photography? Um, a couple of websites, but you know, to be in a national bestseller and the single premier music magazine and music publication, that's pretty good. And now you're fucking raining cash. <laughs> I you're making it rain, real. You're making it rain. Money ho. <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> By the way, I didn't watch John Legend last night. How did he do? Sing the national anthem. I missed the uh, the anthem. I don't, I don't watch anything until first pitch. I, I I do not do the pregame. I don't do any of that stuff. And then you don't even normally catch the first pitch. You were at a funeral the other night. Yeah, that was uh, for the LCS. I missed um, I missed a good chunk of that game. I missed like two, three two two thirds of that game. You might be the jinx. Seems like every time you're not watching, things go their way. Nah, I'm, I still have my ritual. Watch the game alone. Sound down. Like you do everything else. You eat alone. You fucking have sex alone. <laughs> I don't know about that. But. The only thing that Earl can't do alone, shit. <laughs> I looked over for Fez from the setup. Not even looking at me. <laughs> Literally at the point now, I just see him like this. <laughs> Earl, anything happen in the, in the world of women for you? No, not at all. Not at all. You don't want it to. Uh, Can I tell you what might work for you? What? Cock. No. <laughs> yum, yum. <laughs> you get it right up there and just put it on your bottom lip. No. See if you don't. I bet it fucking draws you in once you get it on your bottom lip. <laughs> Not at all. No. Get there's, a fuck, buddy. There's, there's nothing about men that is attractive to me at all. What about their asses? Assholes in particular. <laughs> no. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> that a little. You won't want to get your face in some stank man ass. Oh, just that little throb going to my throat. That might have been cum. No. That might be where you're picturing the cum later. What do you got to take a drink for? <laughs> to keep the force to vomit. I could see Earl with that. It's so fucking awful that just the thought of to, some I people's lifestyle make you vomit in your mouth. I was seriously about to hurl. Why does it make you physically sick? Oh, Earl, as an old radio guy, you're gonna love this. All right, remember the. Uh, Hold your Wii for the Wii contest, and the uh, woman keep drinking one. Some fucking yeah. hack dog shit radio station does this bit. Everyone keep drinking water, and was it the last person to piss got a Wii? Yeah, who could hold it the longest? Yeah. So, uh, so no Wii for a Wii or whatever they called it, uh, and the woman dies. Uh, the deal comes back. They owe the family sixteen million dollars. Wow. Sixteen and a half. And a wee. And just think of how many stupid fucking radio stunts we've been in over the years. Oh. Fucking drinking contests, pepper, hot pepper eating contest, hot sauce. Fucking Don Vito died during a fucking chicken thing only to be brought back later. He fucking actually was brain dead, that fucking prick. I, I don't know how you do this. I don't know how you get the money from the radio station. She was uh, in a contest, right? Yeah, and she died. Now, how is that any different than what we heard about the people who uh, died running the fucking marathon? Should you uh, sue the people who run, ran the marathon uh, that put the marathon on? Is it their fault? You joined a contest and you died. I, I don't. Who else you blame for that? I especially be interested to know if there was a waiver signed. 
And if that wasn't the case, then that radio station was kind of stupid. I mean, yeah, well, they are stupid, period. The, <laughs> right. fucking, the fucking bid stinks. <laughs> Everyone in the world has a Wii now. What's the big deal? I think the radio station argued during the case that she should have known there was some inherent danger to the contest. Yeah, I, I agree. She fucking has at least the same amount of fucking information that the fucking DJ's got. When people were calling the show going, don't do this. Mm -hmm. She heard that as well. I mean, any athletic competition, you're in inherent danger. Some, anything can happen when you're participating in any physical activity. Right. You, know, you can go to the gym and run on a treadmill, and, and something could happen. Yeah, I don't know how you could say, and obviously they did, but I don't fucking see any difference between that and any other contest. I mean, you could say that she didn't know that she was going to die by holding her piss, but neither did anyone else that was fucking putting on the contest. And when, when doctors were calling and saying, uh, hey, this could be really bad for you, she kept doing it. Uh, here's uh, Ted in Providence. Ted, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, gentlemen, what's going on? Yeah. Hey, uh, so I used to do radio in Providence, right? All right, doing well. And, yeah, I know, it was great, yeah. But, um... I was working, uh, I was engineering for this, like, hacky show that we had on, and we did a stunt at a promo of, like, a Tabasco sauce drinking contest. Yeah. And the guy, this guy won, and two weeks later, I come back to the bar to do another promo, and everyone there told me that the guy who won died of, like, a stomach ulcer. Yeah, and it's it's the fucking insane thing about those food contests. I mean, Pat from Minaki is in those things. They don't seem like they could be good for you. It seems pretty fucking crazy to try to eat an enormous amount of jelly in nine minutes. Or sushi or whatever. She should have just pissed. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like she wasn't allowed to piss. She could piss anytime she wanted to. Not only that, but it wasn't anything that she shouldn't have pissed for. Like, you could understand if it was a million dollars. Mm -hmm. And you're like, even though I'm sick, this is going to change everyone's life. It was a fucking Wii, which you can pick up at the Walmart. Yeah, the 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 price has been marked down on those things. I don't know. I mean, it's like you know, there's a family. There's these families who sue the high schools for their uh, for the their sons dropping dead at a high school football practice. Right. That doesn't seem fair. I mean, you know, it seems tragic. But not fair. I don't even think it, I, I, I. It's terrible that the woman died, but I don't see how that the family gets all this money. Well, I'm sure there's gonna be a fucking appeal on it when it's this kind of money. And again, I mean, like I'm, I feel for the family, but I mean, was this woman worth 16 million dollars? Like, how do you quantify, you know, that fucking amount? And that always amazes me too. And then you'll hear about somebody else getting hit by a car and they get 600 dollars. It's just if you're going to get killed, make sure it's by someone with a lot of money. My uncle uh, got hit by uh, a car by uh, a doctor's kid. Never worked another day. But if he would have got hit by a car by some fucking idiot without insurance, eh, you got hit. You know, uh, we sit around and talk about the fairness of fucking some of these things, but you really, if you're going to get hit by a car, make sure they got a lot of bread on them. Um, here is uh, Rich. Rich, our manifest. Hey, boys, uh, your mom dies trying to win you a Wii. Do you ever play Wii the entire rest of your life? Well, here's the interesting part of that that's kind of a nice thing. She wanted to get a present for a kid, 
was willing to do anything for it, the president she got him was $16 million. Eh. That's not bad. I would probably... I mean, Dave, would you die for your kids if they got 16 mil? Yeah, I would. Yeah. I think it'd be tough not to. You're like, 16 mil? Fuck yeah. All right. That'd be a pretty good deal. Drill me. Drill me. Hit me with a fucking fastball right in the heart. <laughs> I would probably feel bad anytime I played the Wii or anytime I actually pissed. Um, here's Tom, Tom in Kansas City. Hey, guys, love yeah. the show. Hey, I represent personal injury clients, and this verdict is absolutely excessive. Um, you got to look at the economic value of the person, and $16 million, that's way more than most of us will ever conceive of, of producing in our lives. So it'll be remitted, which is basically... They take it up on appeal, and the appeals court remits it down to a, a more reasonable number. Where do you think so it'll end know. up? What's that? Where do you think it'll end up? You know, I think probably a couple mil. I mean, I don't doubt that they've got a case, but it's 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 soft, and I just don't see it going sixteen mil. That just that's too much. So you really say this is this the case of the jury being just moved emotionally? They, well, exactly, and I think they look at okay, we got deep pockets, and right. we, you know, as as plaintiffs attorneys, we love the deep pockets. We're like, hey, if I got a trucking company, well, here we go. You know that people hate truckers, and that you know they know they drive like shit, and they they they're more likely to give you more money. You got the little old lady that you know has a twenty five thousand dollar policy limits deal. It it's just you, you know that's all you're going to get. And you're not going to take anything out of this old lady's pocket. It's going to be whatever the insurance is. And so, but these, yeah, the bigger the company, the bigger, and and this sound, this sounded way more egregious than it really was because honestly, it was just a gag. And, and you know, get over it. And 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 I I get calls every day from people that think they've got a lawsuit, and mm -hmm. it just staggers me how stupid people are. It's amazing. And most what of the time, when you the the lawsuit stuff. Uh, even when you're 100 percent in the right, it's it's a long time and a lot of work to be able to pull it off, right? It, and and who's going to take that case? I had a gal. She called me. She she saw she found a string in her uh, in in her salad at a restaurant, and I said, "Well, uh, then I assume you choked on it." No. Uh, well, I assume you got infected by something from this. No. And I said, "Well, what's your? Why are you calling an attorney?" And she said, well, I want $15,000 after attorney's fees. <laughs> and I said, because you found a freaking string? And I said, well, baby, I can't help you. You need." And she goes, well, fuck you. <laughs> so, I yeah, want 15000 you know, That's in her pocket. Okay. Yeah, right. That's in her pocket. Take what you oh, want, yeah. but give me the 15 Gs. There was a string oh. there. That's good string yeah, money. Yeah, there was a string, and she didn't put it in her mouth. She didn't, right. And the guy, the, the, the manager actually offered to buy her meal and give her a $25 gift certificate. And I said, hey, dummy, you should have taken the money. <laughs> uh, so hold stupid. on, Tom. Uh, I think you've made uh, a trucker angry. Here's Russ. Russ in Missouri, you're on my fez. What's happening, gentlemen? What can we do for you? Oh, this um, asshole you got on the line, lawyers out, he loves trucking companies because truckers are the worst damn drivers there are. That's a bunch of bunk right there. Eighty percent of our traffic accidents are caused by four-wheelers, which is people he represents. This is why nobody likes lawyers. But everything they buy, they buy um, from stores that was delivered from a truck. But, Tom, you're saying uh, most of all, most people on a jury are going to be four-wheelers. 
So, and you're saying that we kind of have a prejudice against truckers? Uh, yeah, of course we do. And and that, and that's I'm just saying that that's I'm not saying truckers are better or worse than anybody else. They make mistakes and we make mistakes. But from a jury perspective, hell, we don't have truckers on the jury. You know, you have your regular average people that drive four wheels. And so, doesn't make it right or wrong. I'm not saying truckers don't there aren't conscientious truckers, but Look at the statistics, and there's a lot of, of, of big vehicle accidents. And so I'm not calling this guy out or saying that you know, these aren't good drivers, but there are some shitty truck drivers no, just like they're but shitty you're putting it in their head. You're putting it in their heads that if you get in an accident with a truck, call a lawyer immediately because you're going to get big money. Yeah, that, and that isn't the wrong idea. And that's true, yeah. Russ. That's what they're always looking for, big money. That's his job. Here's uh, Keith. He's a trucker. Hey, motherfucker, 75% of accidents are caused by four-wheelers when they're with big trucks. 150,000 miles a year for 10 years, never had a fucking accident once. Can you say that, you gormous motherfucking jackass? Did you know that uh, you were going to make so many truckers angry, Tom? Well, hey, you know, I don't want to piss anybody off, but I'm just telling you what it is what it is. Here's what people don't get. You don't sue a truck driver who gets somebody clips the front of their their, their vehicle doesn't get sued because it wasn't their fault. Here's uh, Dan. Dan uh, is a trucker also. How are you, Dan? Hey, I'm doing all right, Ron. First off, uh, big fan since YNF. First off, I'm going to tell you something. You said that everybody knows that truck drivers drive like shit, okay? I, I've been driving for 20 years, never had a speeding ticket, never had an accident that was my fault. One lady hit me. She came into my steer tire in Orlando and tried to sue me for $7 million. And did she get it? No, of course she didn't. I don't know if she got it or not, but she probably ended up settling because everybody knows the truck drivers drive like shit. All right, Dan, here's <laughs> Harry. Harry, what do you got for Tom? It's just another typical fucking lawyer. You know, he, he talks up and don't know what it's like to be out here on the road each and every friggin' day, getting cut off left and right. You have no friggin' clue. It's always the trucker's fault. Uh, Tom, they don't you... pay the claims. If they, if you're not at fault, they won't pay it. You know, what, what's the beef? Yeah, you get in accidents, and it may not be your fault, but they don't pay it if you don't if you weren't at fault. But I guess some of these guys feel like guys like yourself are just laying for them if they make well, even the slightest mistake. Well, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing that people don't get is a shitty case is a shitty case, mm. and you don't bring a shitty case. Now, there are attorneys that will bring a shitty case. Here's uh, you know, Bill. I, I, Bill, you're on with Tom. Hey, this guy said, look at the statistics. If he, if he knew the statistics, he wouldn't have said that because the statistics show that 75% of the car and big truck accidents are caused by the fucking car, not the truck driver. But those aren't cases that are settled with any money. The cases I'm talking about are the ones where the truck drivers have fallen. Comes over a hill, going too fast, you Tom, know, comes into a construction zone and kills somebody. I'm just gonna. I'm just afraid you're gonna wake up tomorrow and there's gonna be all these trucks just driving around your house, <laughs> waiting for you to come outside. Uh, I love you guys, man. All right, Tom. All right, thanks, buddy. There Bye -bye. you have it. Uh, lawyers versus truckers. I never knew that there was this kind of heat, Fez. Oh yeah, apparently this is a long-running feud. Well, if you're a truck driver uh, driving for a corporation, and you know people are looking for that, if they see something uh, along the lines of, um, you know, a big name, oh right, yeah. Coke or whatever, they're going to um, be able to 
try to sue for a lot of money, and these truck drivers, drivers have that hanging over their heads. Right. What what it is is nobody sees the person behind the wheel, the guy whose career is going to be affected by this, whether it's his fault or not. And I love the just the picture that uh, Tom painted of a truck coming barreling down a hill into a construction zone and just basically wiping out anyone who might be in his path. Well, it does... Um, <laughs> You know, the thing that these guys are, aren't are understanding is he's saying there's already uh, a natural prejudice against them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone feels like a, who on the highway likes to, you know, be driving next to a semi? Nobody. I mean, everyone wants away from them. They don't want them in front of them. A semi could have their blinker on for a mile. No one's going to let them over. I never really even realized it was that, that heavy. All right, uh, Fezzi, this is kind of uh, exciting. Uh, there is a an album out right now called Never Been Gone, uh, done by Carly Simon. And what Carly Simon does on this album is take some of her most famous songs and reimagines them, plays them in a whole new place. Stuff like You're So Fame, You Belong to Me, That's the Way I Always Heard It Should Be. And uh, Let the River Run. All these songs that you've known as hits, she's kind of doing them in a different way. Brand new album. It's called Never Been Gone. It's available on, in stores and Amazon.com. Or you can go to CarlySimon.com. Let's bring her in right now. Miss Carly Simon. Wake the nation, come the new Jerusalem. Silver cities rise, the morning lights, the streets that Sirens call them on with a song. It's asking for the taking, trembling, Your sons and daughters, we, the great and small, stand on a star and blaze a trail of desire through the darkling dawn. It's of your lover My heart is aching We're coming to the edge Running on the water Coming through the fog Your sons and daughters 
That was the only song, I believe, ever to win a Grammy and an Academy Award. And uh, the singer, songwriter is here, Carly Simon. How are you, Carly? And an Oscar. Oh, and it won, in the, <laughs> it won the Oscar. Yes. Come. Academy Award and Grammy, same year. Uh, it's fantastic to see you in here today. And I, it's Thank really, you. really interesting to see that you've taken these songs that people have loved for so long and decided to kind of play with them a little bit. I wanted to revisit them. I wanted to go back and see what I was feeling when I wrote them, to see how I feel about them now, to see how the emotions have changed, to see what my son Ben, who is mm -hmm. largely the producer of this album, was interested in getting out of me for a, as a performance for, on these songs and changing the arrangements. We wanted to do them all acoustically. They ended up being just about all acoustic with the exception of two that are right in the heart of the center of the record because the record sort of goes like a, a, a curve. It starts out... <laughs> you know what's German. interesting? Because I'm not a musician, so I probably focus on lyrics so much. And it's really interesting to see the way like you think about a song, the way you imagine a song change as the arrangements change. It was uh, a stunning thing to go, oh, that song kind of means something a little different now as you change the arrangements. That's right. That's yeah. right. Did you, did you hear anything that struck, that struck you particularly? Well, there was, uh, I think, uh, of course, when I, uh, because here you take a song like You're So Vain, and you've sung it so many times and you've heard it so many times. And this time after hearing it, I was able to figure out that you were singing about Alan Seuss from laughing <laughs> after all these years and I thought it was someone else. Oh, well we we, we have an we have an opening in, to the reality section of your of your hippocampus. <laughs> Everything changes a little bit. Um but you have uh you, you've done this now and you did it with Ben and John Forte I guess was also producing and working on John them. John Forte produced one of one of the tracks which is You Belong to Me. And or I should say he co-produced it with Ben. Mm -hmm. uh, there was, the, but John, when it, I went into this, into John's studio with him, into his environment, and cut it, and then um, and Ben Ben was away at the time, and Ben came back, and and he was so jealous that <laughs> that he wanted to be incorporated in into the mix. He wanted to be a, he wanted to be a, a producer. What a great and, thing to be able to work with your kids now, too, huh? Isn't that it's just so really... great? It's just wonderful, and I and I work with both of them. And you know, a couple of years ago, um, I, when I was working up at WNEW, Sally came in when she did uh, Apartment Success. Oh no! She... Yeah, it was really, so really great. great night of just hanging out with her and listening to some of the stuff. She's so talented, incredibly talented. I mean, my kids are just—it's just—it's a blessing, you know. You want your kids to be more talented than you are, yeah. and they want to be more talented than you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're always looking to take it up just one night. They need to, yeah. And it's, it's the way life should work, right? I mean, that's the whole thing. You have to hand them the torch. Yeah. And I guess it can't be easy for either one of them coming into a family that uh, there's so many great musicians and songwriters on, on both sides of their family. Well, that that's that's definitely true, and you can't even count them on two hands. They're, yeah, they're they're um, and I must say, I mean, my my eldest sister was an opera singer, mm -hmm. so I grew up listening to to opera and classical music for 
you know, for so many years. And then my other sister, Lucy, and I became folk singers, and we toured the folk, you know, the coffee clubs in the 60s and, and college campuses. And meanwhile, my uncles were jazz musicians and um, started jazz jazz magazines, started Downbeat and Metronome. And, and my father was a classical pianist. And so you have, you know, there, there was... Every, Every, everyone surrounding us on my side, on the Simon side, and then on the Taylor side, you have James. Mm-hmm. Obviously, James Taylor is so incredibly brilliant and wonderful, and and um, you know, um, very emotionally accessible in his songs. Yeah. And then you have Livingston, who actually wrote the title track of my Christmas album, which is called "Christmas Is Almost Here," and it's a, just a beautiful album that I did uh, for about four years ago in the Peninsula Hotel in four days with Don Was. <laughs> it's just a real quick one. Yeah, and then Don left on the fifth day to my own devices. It's so strange, too. I mean, obviously, you're a great singer, but the songwriting comes down to it, and then early on in your career, you knew so many great songwriters and were working with them, and it was just like a magical time. Uh, you were living at Woodstock for a little while, too, I guess, before, or just hanging out there? Um, I... I you know, visited there a couple mm. of times. I ended up thinking that it was a it, it it was a deep, dark black hole that you could sink into. Is that right? Not very happily. Yeah. Just as the '60s started to I, twist I, over I a little bit. Not, I just I just you know, one time I was in Woodstock and I and I was and I was staying at a at a motel and I was wearing clogs and there was a, <laughs> in, in the motel there was a little stream outside and you had to step on each rock to get to get over to the other side of the stream and I fell and I broke my ankle that was one time in Woodstock and the other time I I just had an incredibly dramatic experience with with the drummer that I that I was playing with and there was there was there there was fights and throwing cognac bottles at limousines (laughs) and fog and not being able to you know there were car chases so so no i i i can't say that i hung out at woodstock who who are the the songwriters that affected you though when you were a young songwriter people that you were saying okay i can see that there's something happening here that i want to jump into gosh you know it depends upon what age you're talking about uh-huh. because when when i was um the first music that i heard was show tunes mm-hmm and so I fell in love with the scores and the the music to Kiss Me Kate and and uh South Pacific and Carousel and Showboat and and you know a lot of a, a lot of Rogers and Hammerstein a, a lot of Rogers and Hart a lot of Frank Lesser Guys and Dolls I mean the you know those were my I I didn't think I was going to be a songwriter Th- those were just that was the music I appreciated and then when I got a little bit older uh, in the fifties, just listening to like Little Anthony and the Everly mm. Brothers and 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 the and the you know Rock Around the Clock, and then when I got a little bit older, I listened to Pete Seeger mm. and Pete Seeger and the Weavers and and uh, and Harry Belafonte, and they were my they were my heroes. I still didn't connect myself as that I was going to be a singer and a songwriter, but those were the people that I appreciated, and then. It wasn't really until I was in college and took an Italian class and had to memorize an Italian poem. Mm. And I couldn't do it without without having some melody and some rhythm to it because I just I needed melody and rhythm in order to be able to remember it. And somehow I 
then I understood that there was connection in my brain. And it was almost like a subconscious connection. Like you weren't setting out to do that. As you started to memorize this, the melody just kind of up, came up a little bit. Yes, and then I realized how, how melodies were so um, easy for me to get. I mean, not necessarily good melodies, but mm -hmm. I'm just talking about melodies. I have a faucet in my brain, and it's on all the time. And at any given time, I can give you a melody that's going, that's coming out of the faucet. And and it, and as I say, it's not always good, but it's always there. It drips, 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 drips. And when I when I compose, I usually compose the lyrics first, and then and then I consult the faucet. <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting. So you're not taking a lot of credit for I'm sitting at the piano. I guess lyrically you'll find the lyrics and then just wait for that right melody to connect with it. Yeah, and I and I and I certainly have the piano and the guitar to yeah. to go and and uh give me a little bit of direction in the melody for instance if I'm thinking of you know I'll make sense of it when I go to the piano and 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 I'll put it into it into a better shape. Is that something that you just spend a little time with every day, or do you sit down and go, "It's writing time now." Now I'm going to write. Um, I don't have time every day, unfortunately. I'm, yeah. I'm involved in a, in a lot of other things, primarily running my household, <laughs> which is a tremendous responsibility. It's a it's a huge you know it's a huge task because I am a Cancerian and I love my house more than I love anything. And and some people have said that it is my greatest work. Mm -hmm. That, that that's about it. So I have to keep it. I have to keep it up and running. And there's, you know, I'm the only one that worries really about the plumbing. So I have. I, I got to do the plumbing and the painting and the. And I mean, I don't necessarily do it myself, but I have to make sure that it's all done. And it's a huge task. And I I've got animals and a farm and so it's every once in a while the rest of us are lucky to get some of these songs. <laughs> when the animals and the farm and everything are taken care of. Well, you know, I I sort of wish that the the animals and the farm could take care of themselves, and, mm -hmm. I, and I could sit and write for <laughs> for three or four hours a day. But that doesn't often happen. It it happens when I have an album of songs that I have to write, or I'm working on an album. Then, of course, I'm focused. You go back over some of this stuff in uh, while well, I was looking through your liner notes, and some of these songs might just stay pieces for. Uh, quite some time before you bring them out again. That's right. Yeah, I I I write and I get an idea and I put it down on paper, uh, and I don't necessarily have have any connection to rhythm or melody yet, but I have an idea. Mm -hmm. For instance, in, in "You're So Vain," I put down "You're So Vain." You probably think this song is about you in a notebook, and but that was all I had. I thought, wow, that's that's pretty. That's that's interesting. That's deep, and so. Um, then I was at a party and somebody walked in with a scarf and mm -hmm. looked at himself in the mirror and I wrote that down. I wrote, you walked into the party like you were walking onto a yacht. Um, and, and I had that in my notebook, but I didn't connect that to, to your Sylvain, you probably think this song is about you. And in the meantime, I had a whole song that I'd written using the melody of your Sylvain called Bless You Ben. And Ben was not alive. My son Ben was not alive at that point. It was it was about eight years before Ben or seven years before Ben. Um, but but the lyric was 
you know, it went, bless you, Ben, you went, you came in where nobody else left off. There I was all by myself, hiding up in my loft, talking trouble, took my time, and singing some sad songs. I had some dreams, they were clouds in my coffee, clouds in my coffee. So I wrote that down, and, and out of that I, exa- I extracted, I had some dreams, they were clouds in my coffee, because I thought that was the only good line in it. And so, but I still had not connected all the things together. And, um, and when I did, when I was in a writing mode, when I had an album to produce of my own songs, I looked at those three things and I thought, wait a minute, that man that walked into the party probably thinks that the song that I'm about to write is about him. And that's how, um, you know, that's how that happened. And then I had some dreams, they were clouds in my coffee was just seemed to kind of fit into the whole rest of the song into the rest of the meaning it comes together so cinematic by the time we get to hear it it seems like uh you know for you it's bits and pieces here but when we when we hear it as the audience it's just this one flow that seems like it it all happens in real time it is it is cinematic and and you know oddly enough there's never been a video of that song isn't that strange yeah as the pre-video days uh, and yet, you know what else is really something is how often movies will use your songs, particularly romantic comedies. There just seems to be something about your songs that that fit with cinema. Well, that that was um, that was a wonderful that was a wonderful piece of luck that I had to to be. It was actually I was friendly with the directors of. The movies that you're probably thinking of, mm-hmm. and so they they asked me because we were we were probably having lunch together at a diner. Right. I don't you know I, I I don't quite remember, but certainly it 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 was Working Girl and it was Heartburn and it it was uh, a couple of Nora Ef- Ephron movies, and but then what what you probably don't know about is that is that I and wonderfully it was so much fun for me. I got to score two. Movies for Disney, which were Winnie the Pooh movies, mm-hmm. um, the story of Piglet and the story of Heffalump, and they and they both came out as theatrical releases, and so I became the characters. I became Rue and Tigger and Kanga and Rabbit and 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 Pooh. I mean, I I you know I was all of them, and then eventually Heffalump, and uh, so I. I got to do I got I got to do the emergence of some of the story of Winnie the Pooh that had never been there which was in the movie Heffalump because that they they actually wrote that that wasn't based on the AA a. Milne book. That's going to be a lot of work too to put something like that together, right? I mean, well, especially just, that when yeah. I yes, I mean when you have to send the animation to Japan and then you have to lose a millisecond of a song and then I got to go back and do it because I don't, you know, I was doing it on Martha's Vineyard and they were doing it in Japan and and in Los Angeles. There are so many animators connected to to uh, Disney films and you you have to put the songs really to to the uh, characters while they're doing their their little jumps and they're and they're eating honey and you know yeah and I guess that's real deadline stuff too you don't just get to take as much time as you would probably certainly like not to, yeah. no no and I and I and I wonderfully when I was sitting in Martha's Vineyard I I was connected to 
to a television that was in the boardroom of Disney, oh, of, of, of you know, of the people who were responsible for the film, and and I just remember one, you know, it was just me, and then it was them, and there were about ten people in the boardroom, and we, we'd be having these discussions, and I would say, no, 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 I really like this song. <laughs> well it just doesn't work they would say I mean one person would get to say well it just doesn't work and everybody else's heads were bowed down <laughs> and I and I remember with Heffalump um, I really argued they wanted to call the baby Heffalump lumpy which they eventually did of course because they're they're right and they're in control and something and I didn't like the name lumpy and I and I remember sitting in my you know my tiny little studio in Martha's Vineyard down the hall from my bedroom and and the board on the TV screen that was hooked up into the bedroom and they were all down they were all there with their heads down so you you're not easy to direct did, did Ben get a, have a little easier job with you was he able to pull some things out of you you guys we fought so, we, did you really we definitely fought like cats and dogs it was or like mother and son yeah. but the great thing about fighting with Ben is that or at least at least with me is we get over it instantly mm. you know ben is one of the of the people who can apologize and i'm an apologizer people who can't apologize i feel really sorry for because they they probably the other person that they can't apologize to probably holds a big grudge against them and they hold this resentment mm. and it's just it it isn't worth it you know i mean apologies you know, it's nice to have a big fight and then an apology afterward. It makes you feel like you're living. And if you're going to work together, these things are going to come up. I guess Definitely. you're just going to, you know, everybody wants to go in a different direction sometimes. And sometimes it takes a day or two to realize, you know, you might have been right about it. Yeah. Well, well, well not only that, but that there's not only one point of view. Mm. And Ben was able to able to get vocals out of me that that I didn't want to I didn't want to give him. I mean, on You're So Vain, for, just to keep with You're So Vain for a minute, um, I was singing You're So Vain, and when it goes up to that, because it jumps like an octave, da, ba, 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 I didn't want to do that. I just thought, I can't do that. I, 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 I can't get that note out. And so at first I was singing it, You walked into the party like you were walking onto a yacht. You know, but but kind of... It was it was groovy in a way. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, it really was. But then Ben really got the high notes out of me. Ben said, "No, you know, that's that's a, we've lost we've we've lost the guitar solo. We've lost the intro piano. This is a really different version. But give us that original melody." And so 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 it was Ben's choice to do that. And Ben really got it out of me when when I didn't want to do it. I boy, I practiced and practiced and did my vocal exercises and and you know. One day in his in his studio at his house, he just said, "Go for it." And he said, "Go for a lot of things." And for a lot of things, he really taught me the phrasing. And I mean, he was a real producer. There, you know, there were there were there were five of us who were producing the album, and we called ourselves pa Paphiopedelium, which is the name of an orchid, which is shown on the back cover of the album. It's an orchid that happened to have been named after me by an orchida. And it's called Paphiopedelium. Um, the the actual orchid is called is called Carly Simon. But but there were there were really five of us producing it, being able to put it all together. Larry, Larry Chauncey, who's Ben's partner, who is the owner of the record label Iris, which is the the label that this album is coming out on, is an independent label. 
and Larry was definitely one one of the producers and uh, you know the executive producer it, and but also did a lot of the musical producing and David saw who who was um, a producer sort of while we were in England but but also he came up with a lot of of the ideas for I was not in England by the way I, I just want to point that out he was in England and calling in directions and s songs and song lyrics and and played the guitar and Peter Kahlo who was my guitarist for a long time played the guitar and had a lot of musical ideas and and from uh, from the musical standpoint of view was very important in the production and um, so it was Peter me Larry, Ben, and David were is is Paphiopedelium, just the way the Glimmer Twins is Keith and Mick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for you, you also have to ask this audience now to take this ride with you. That all right? You've all enjoyed these songs done in a certain way. Um, now you know, have loose knees and move over a little bit and see it this way. Yeah, and I've had really good response to That's it. That's great. You know, people people don't say, well, well I missed that. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, some people do. Yes, I mean, obviously some people do. And maybe the first time you hear, you know, you're so vain without, without the uh, piano intro or the guitar solo. But there's something else replacing it that's just as interesting and weird and good. And, and um, I mean, I'm really proud of it. And anticipation has a, has, has a whole other resonance when I say these are the good old days. Mm. As you will hear it, you know... I mean, if you play that song, you'll definitely hear it's a whole different emotion. And um, loving you is the right thing to do. has a has a has a very, I mean, almost spiritual uh, thing that happens at the end of the tune. When we go to to kind of a hallelujah chorus, which is just so beautiful. It's just, I mean, I, I when we were mastering the record up with Bob Ludwig at at, at Gateway Mastering. When he heard that hallelujah, which is mainly, it's these deep, it's these deep voices mostly provided by Ben, Bob Ludwig, who has heard many, many a record, actually stood up and, and you know, had to kind of just stand up and appreciate it and almost be the conductor when Ben comes in and sings hallelujah, hallelujah, and it's it's just really beautiful, and you know, it's a, it's, it's it's one of those songs that I wrote that that's that's a. Uh, I wrote it on an airplane, looking at looking at James Taylor, and just thinking, just no matter what you do, I will, I will, I love you now, and I'll love you always. Mm. Carly Simon, thank you so much, and it's, I, I can't tell you how great it is to see you still so passionate about the music too. It's, I am. It's really life affirming. If nothing else, I am passionate. Oh, thanks so much for coming. Thank in. you so much for having me. Now the guy's got Paulie's apartment. Any problems, he goes to Paulie. But now the guy's got to come up with Paulie's money every week, no matter what. Business bad? Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you had a fire? Fuck you, pay me. Place got hit by lightning, huh? Fuck you, pay me. Ron Fez show. Uh, Earl, if you would have told me uh, at one point in my life I'd have Carly Simon singing You're So Vain into my fucking eyes from two feet away. <laughs> I would have thought you were nuts. Yeah. It happened. That's actually one of the stranger things that happened. This is definitely an oh wow moment. Oh, crazy. 
Oh, you still love the music after all this time? Oh, yeah. Still, you know, when music happens, it, it can really, it's almost a healing thing. It's, it can almost transcend whatever mood you're in. All of it. Mm. What you ought to do is grab that for me for the RBI. Add some of the songs and we'll put it on the RBI site. Oh, absolutely. She's everything you want Carly Simon to be when she comes in, you know? She was just the head her Carly Simon-ness because you just thought... Well, here's where she was in the 70s, right? This is who she was dating. Uh, at first, Cat Stevens. Uh, and then you throw in the Warren Beatty, Jack Nicholson, um, Chris Christopherson, <laughs> and James Taylor. These guys must have been around her like on uh, like flies on a fudgicle. <laughs> That's pretty good company to be in. Yeah. And she's just busting them up one after another. <laughs> she's just breaking their hearts. <laughs> Ripping them to pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Just like... I think that song's about me. That would have been the most embarrassing thing that all those guys probably think, I bet that song's about me. <laughs> and she's never said who it's about. That's well, now we know. Alan Seuss from the old Laughing Show. <laughs> he wore scarves. I got the giant Carly Simon laugh on that, though, where... <laughs> just, it's really interesting when you meet some of these singers and just see how large their mouth can get when they start to talk or laugh, you know? That, that, that classic grin. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. But oh my God, that was that was so trippy when she started to sing. I don't know, it was nutty. It was nutty. It's a weird day. There's one weird thing about working at, at Sirius that you don't get at like normal radio stations. It's like you just don't know who's going to drop by. You just don't know who's going to swing through here. And what, what at a particular place? You could just be in the bathroom. <laughs> I know. And yeah, just, just walking around. around down here. Earl, you got out just in time before it started getting really weird and fun. <laughs> Earl, I knew he wasn't going to come here with us because he fought it every inch of the way. Dude, this this room is us. <laughs> I got my saltines over here. Which you ate. My you still eat the saltines, here. Earl? You still I'm, enjoying saltines? Oh, I love saltines. I mean, because remember, the, I got the new stomach, so I got to eat really <laughs> bland food. He would hide SpaghettiOs like they were Easter eggs and, uh, the other place. Uh, Kevin and Phil, you're on Fez. Yeah, I got a spy report for you guys. All right. I, I mean, well, before you say it. Spy report. I, spy report. That means that you have one. I do. Um, I got a buddy of mine who is uh, over at Madison Square Garden right now getting ready for tonight's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance. And Metallica is going to be playing. But that's, the cool part is is they're going to have a couple guys performing with them. One of them is Ozzy. They're, that's kind of normal. But then the other thing is they're going to be doing some stuff with Ray Davies and then Lou Reed. They're going to do Velvet Underground stuff. Wow, that's really weird. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, is this stuff... Uh... Is this stuff basically at a uh, at a point where they're videotaping it for TV, or is it just for them? You can watch it on DirecTV on Channel 334. I, I, I taped last night's episode where apparently Bruce played... Uh, um, where, um, um, still haven't found what I'm looking for with you two. Wow. So you have DirecTV, right? <sighs> Channel 334. Sure I do. You know, HBO's going <laughs> to air You know, I, how many times have you heard me fight? That my building only has Time Warner. I know, but I thought you you somehow got the NFL well, I, package. Well, I got the NFL package through my computer that I had to uh, somehow rig. 
<laughs> I somehow rigged it up mm-hmm. uh, to the TV, and uh, I can watch the football games, but not on HD. Well, it's somehow I watched them on 1973. <laughs> it looks like an old 1973 game. <laughs> somehow rigged. It's kind of vague. Somehow rigged is what it is. This looks so bad on the TV that I actually, and it looks so old school that I got a Taste Great Less Filling commercial popped into it somehow. <laughs> Those are awesome. Yeah, I know. Bob Uecker always sat in the front row, I guess, or the last row. Did he? Because I never know. And he's always talking about... Is like, he still alive, Bob Uecker? Yeah, he's still alive. Still he he, he still does Brewers, yeah. You Jim? Can... <laughs> Is he calling Jim Brewers games? I was actually listening to him call a Brewers game over the summer. He's a really good announcer. I didn't realize it. He's a great announcer. He's been more... You know, here's what I like about it. He don't want to do national. He wants to follow one team. Yeah, but because of XM, I was driving home. I'm like, I'm going to fucking check out the Uke. On one of the uh, is that what things. you said? I'm like, I'm gonna <laughs> fucking check it out. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this guy from Mr. Belvedere was actually is actually a pretty damn good baseball announcer. Mm. He just calls the game, unlike two announcers I know that are working the World Series. You right having now. the worst time with those two fucking guys? I can't in the do series. Oh, the they the jinxy stats that they always pull out of their ass. It drives you crazy. We should just text shut up to them all night. We should find <laughs> out. Their cell phones and just text <laughs> shut up. Earl's right. They are terrible. I, I and, and here's the thing. Joe Buck has actually made Tim McCarver stupid. Because Tim McCarver in the 80s and 90s. No, was, he's always terrible. But he was regarded. You were just younger. You were just younger. He was always fucking ridiculous. Uh, okay, but his rep was he's a great baseball analyst. They wanted to put him on par as like if John Madden's the analyst for football. Yeah, he's not. McCarver was. But yeah, McCarver is he's very close to being Down syndrome now. I he think laughs. he always was. I honestly always think he was. I always thought he was retarded. Well, that was the hair, at least. He laughs at Joe Buck's jokes. Like, we over laughs at them. It doesn't make any sense. Why does Joe Buck feel like he needs to be a fucking <laughs> comedian? It's crazy. You know what they should do for his intro? I'm Joe Buck. Damn it. Just do the fucking Midnight Cowboy thing at him. How come that never comes up? Hey, He's a Midnight Cowboy, Joe Buck. <laughs> The um, There was an HBO Real Sports uh, last Monday, and Ernie Harwell, the great Tigers announcer, he's dying of cancer, but he still looks great. And he was just saying, you know, just call it and then let the crowd take over on a televised game. And Joe Buck hasn't learned that. You can actually see the game, so you don't need to be fucking described what's fucking happening. Exactly. I don't know why they feel like they have to fill every second of time. And and any of the crowd shots, Joe Buck takes a scent at some poor fat guy in the bleachers trying to eat a hot dog, and then McCarver overlaps at that. These guys are like fucking snobs. Oh, what are you going to do? Do what your old does. Turn the fucking sound down and sit there in your own pain. <laughs> and then wonder why you're looking at a fat guy eating a hot dog. <laughs> and what was with, with that DJ Hero highlight montage where like i felt like i was fucking on tr- tripping on acid <laughs> while i'm trying to watch a recap of the game they fucking there was psychedelic colors and 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 strobe lights going on for like a Teixeira home run i'm ready to do acid with you now uh seriously i had to watch it to, to, to watch the game last night emails we get emails and now ron and fez the show of the future brings you electronic mail Mail sent electronically. That's exciting. Uh, here's one. It says, uh, Dearest Ron and Fez, 
I was listening to some new music. It was the first time I heard this particular song. About halfway through the song, tears started coming out of my eyes. I was crying. I wasn't sad. Simply moved to tears. Have you ever had a song move you to tears? Earl, you love the... Uh, um, you love the the rock. What songs ever move you to tears? Um, I don't know why, but Stevie Wonder always moves me to tears. Really? Yeah, always. All, Which song? Um, uh, Joy Inside My Tears, They Won't Go When I Go, even uh, anything off of Inner Visions. You know, Living for the City moves me. You know, really? To tears? Her legs are sturdy. <laughs> her skirt's short, but her legs are sturdy. Uh, what about for you, Davey? There's this song uh, by Neutral Milk Hotel. It's called Naomi, and it's it's one of the most... Uh, if people know Neutral Milk Hotel... Naomi, welcome. I have <laughs> That's Pearl Jam. Oh. And uh, people know Neutral Milk Hotel. They know that they're a phenomenal independent band in the 90s who makes emotional music. The only songs I think that have ever moved me to tears is rap songs. <laughs> And I'll just be crying, and I'll just silently say to myself, we lost. <laughs> we lost. There's no more soul. They stopped singing. You killed the passion. <laughs> but, but not, the passion's gone. The passion's gone, but never... Uh... But, I mean, but, like, you know, gospel music obviously moves me. But soul music, you know, Sam Cooke. How can you, Al Green? How can you, you sing not, "Cry Like a Baby"? Listen to Al Green. Al Green. Oh, when he sings, "How can you mend a broken heart?" Oh my God! It just it just destroys me. The Al Green's got the blues. That uh, uh, that out of everything, James Jarman Fez. Hey, buddies. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a song. Uh, man, it's by REM. I I can't remember the name of it, but uh, that doesn't that make somebody cry? Oh, Fez has cried a few times. Steve, Long Island, you're on Fez. Hey, guys. Wish You Were Here from Pink Floyd reminds me of everybody I've ever lost. Really? Now, did yes. you, you feel that way when you were a little kid or just as you got older? Uh, as I got older, it started reminding me of my grandmother and losing my mother. It really made me think of her. You know, it really has. That's weird that a song like that, Pink Floyd, reminds you of your grandmother. I wouldn't imagine. I think, uh, I th yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That was about his friend. Well, again, it doesn't mean that that song has to mean that to you. I have songs that remind me to people, but the lyrics don't. You know what I mean? But it might have been that we fucking enjoyed the song together. Uh, Mike, Mike, you're on a fest. How are you guys? What can we do for uh, you? If you got little kids, uh, landslide, landslide will make you uh, cry. Now, Land a little emotional. Right, here's my problem with Landslide. She wrote that particularly to make you feel about making you cry. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, it's such a beautiful song. She made those lyrics so up to, like, that thing with even children get older. You can't look at your own kids like that. The children are getting older. Which is probably the only way that a man is allowed to cry is anything to do with, like, sentiment. He's not allowed to cry because he, you know, something hurt his feelings. Yeah. He has to be like, life is bittersweet. Then he's allowed to have a couple fucking tears. Um, Wes, you're on a fez. Yeah, man. Yeah, buddy. Uh, I've got to say, Bob's so entangled up in blue every time, man. 
Uh, for me, anything of Dylan's, and see if you agree here, Dave, Lay Lady Lay always made me cry because I thought Dylan was choking. <laughs> Lady Lay! Lay my hair. Oh, my God, help him! There's a piece of meat lodged. Um, Mike, you're on Ron and Fez. Hey, uh, love you guys. Listen, uh, the song uh, Track 7 on Bad Out of Hell, it's Meatloaf. Um, it's called uh, For Bring Crying Out Loud. Bring the sound uh, down, Dave. Thanks. Uh, the meatloaf uh, will make me cry because uh, I'll just start chanting my name is Robert Paulson over and over and over. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. <laughs> 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Nelson, you're on Fez. Yeah, hey, guys. Love the show. Yeah. Uh, Eric Clapton, Tears of Heaven, when he sings it unplugged, gets me every time. Again, though, but that's not about. fair. If he would have just came out and said my kid died, you would you would be moved. It's not fair to write something so sad and sensitive. I know I can't give away my parody name for that that I came up with yesterday during a uh, an unmasked uh, Virginia in Virginia. Oh, important. Well, not quite yet. Mm. Uh, they had you down as Virginia in Virginia, not Virginia in Portland. I'm, How are you, darling? My head's up my own ass, Ron, and I called uh, to talk about... There's three different versions of the song Hallelujah that make me cry. The most cry one is Rufus Wainwright, then Buckley, then Leonard Cohen. But they all do it. So you don't even cry first for and, the... Per uh, Leonard Cohen has dropped uh, like Ken uh, from Portland. John Cale. <laughs> oh, and John Cale. Tom would like to chime in with John Cale. I like the John Cale version myself. The John, the Good John, times. The John Cale version is actually the most masculine version of that. Which <laughs> yeah. one are you playing here, Dave? This is the Buckley one. I can get the Cale one, too. I want to play every one. Um, Wednesday. I mean, uh, let's go. Well, let me keep moving. Here is Chuck. Chuck, you're my Fez. Hey, Ron. I tell you, I got two of them, man. The first one, Johnny Cash, Burning Ring of Fire, makes me cry like a baby. All right, hold on and with then, that. Well, hold on with that. Ring of Fire always makes me cry when the mariachi band jumps in and ruins the song. Yeah. And then I like uh, another makes me cry is Funky Comadina. Yeah, that one's that's sad too because is he going to get that drink or not? <laughs> What's going to happen to him? Uh, here's Mike. Mike, you're on a fez. Hey, what's up, guys? How about uh, Good Riddance by Green Day? That makes me that makes me cry and think Seinfeld's never doing any new shows, and then I can think to myself, no, it's okay. Remember when Seinfeld mm -hmm. used this in their last episode <laughs> as we turned around and looked at different pictures of them coming in and leaving doors? I saw them do this one time, and the for some reason they let the drum set on fire. I didn't get it. <laughs> While they were playing this, the drum set was just on fire. So make the best of this test and don't ask why. It's not Seinfeld's going off the air. There's nothing we can do about it. It's something unpredictable. And in the end, there's right. Because the sad thing for you is you don't like music, but you like a good cry. Yeah, you would think that they would go together, but it just doesn't, you know. A lot of sad music, I just don't hear it. Well, you do know music now. You're all over that Carly Simon thing. <laughs> the Run and Fez show. How'd you think Carly looked? She looked great. You know what I liked about it? Funky. Keep the funky look. I don't know why women don't let themselves be funky.
a little more. Uh, Dave, Dave, you're on running Fez. Yo. Yeah. Yeah, Roberta Flack killing me softly. Do you pretend that you're the guy that's killing her softly? <laughs> no, see ya. Here's Greg in Cleveland. Hey, Ronnie, I uh, sound like a million bucks. Thank you, my friend. Uh, song always gets me, Sister Morphine by the Stones. Ah, Sister Morphine. How I miss morphine. <laughs> <laughs> did she write that with Keith? I think they co-wrote it together. I know they both did it, but um, I'm pretty sure they co-wrote that song together. That was actually good on Mass Town. Uh, yeah, with uh, uh, well, our, RBI. Uh, with uh, Mary Fable. That was great. Yeah. It was fabulous. Because she's not grabbing that part. Let's hear it. Tell me, Sister Murphy, when are you coming round again? Oh, and I don't think I can wait that long. Such a good song. Hey, Bill in North Carolina. Hey, Ron. Uh, Jim Carroll Band, People Who Died, from my brothers when I lost in Beirut when I was in the Marine Corps. That one always gets me. Oh, uh, yeah. I, this song is so great. And Jim Carroll is the RBI who got away. How many times did we have him booked? Twice? Twice, yeah. And just, um, he had, there was changes in his schedule. We should have had a fucking package, fucking taped <laughs> to the microphone. <laughs> that really, really fucking destroys me. That we never got the chance to hang out with him. John, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Uh, Ron Zivon, keep me in your, uh, your heart till I'm gone. I, I just, keep me in your me. heart for a while. I'm going to put that into too easy to make us cry. I can't have a guy that I love sitting there singing that song to me while he's dying. And I'm going, oh, that's too easy. Yeah, it's your, your epitaph. It's your, <laughs> your farewell song. Listen to this song. You, you got fucking lead. In your veins, if this song doesn't get to you, knowing the condition he was in when he wrote this. I know, Warren. Why are you even going to ask? You know it's there. You know it's there. Here's the thing, Earl. When you bury me, you're going to be burying me and Warren Ziva. Because he's going to be in my heart. So then when you die, you're going to have me, you, Warren Zevon, Muni... All in your heart. And rerun. <laughs> rerun. Fred Berry? Yes. <laughs> Who you look like when you get a little heavier. <laughs> you're going to die on our chart. Earl, sometimes I think you're playing first base for the Phillies. <laughs> no. <laughs> Between you and Tracy Morgan. It looks like if Earl and Tracy Morgan had an ass baby. I'm going to go over to Rob here. Rob, you're on a fez. What's up, buddy? Yeah. Um, it's just funny. This morning, I don't even like Springsteen, but I heard that song, The Rising, today, and someone explained to me how it was about a fireman going through the World Trade Center yeah. and, and what it all meant. And for a guy that's not even a fan, that song really hit me kind of hard today. Well, when I don't know why today, but it just did. It was an amazing thing after 9-11 when Springsteen came out with this album. It's why he's, you know, people love him the way he does. This was amazing to do. Amazing song. How high I climb on the backs of 
My Clarence Clemens is here today. Earl Douglas, the big man. Earl, I'd like to just give you a sax to carry around behind me wherever we go. You can do the born to run pose. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, Toby, you're in running first. Yeah, 16582. Mm -hmm. Whatever. All right, uh, Johnny Cash hurt. That fucking video, man. It really... It, it Again, makes yeah. Like, First of all, he shit all over Trent Reznor by going, oh, they're better than Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> and then, yeah, having his wife just looking at him when you know, you know, where they both are in their life. I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain the only thing that's real the needle tears a hole the old familiar stain try to kill it all away but I remember everything what have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end, and you could have it all, my empire of dirt. You know, the other thing that kills about this, Trent Reznor had it a, as a fucking, you know, a little girl boy scratching himself with a razor blade. Cash turns it back into a junkie song like a man. <laughs> Hurt yourself the right way. Not trying to fucking cut your thigh with a pair of scissors. Stop worrying, Trent. You're doing just fine. You're going to get Marilyn Manson back. Andre in Jersey, you're on Manifest. Uh, there's this one song that always just brings me to tears. It's called uh, Satellite of Love, especially when I hear it on Fridays. Mm. You know who's going to start crying when they hear Satellite of Love today? My staff. My staff's going to start crying because they know the meeting's coming after. 
If I hear this song like Pavlov's dog, I'll just fucking head out the door and get in the elevator. <laughs> I will just get in the elevator. I didn't know you were sitting around like that crying all day, Earl. It, it just, and I, I have no control of it. it. It will just hit me like a you ton. You start of, sobbing like a little bitch? No, I just go, just the slow tears. You know, mm -hmm. the Denzel Washington glory team. Oh, all of a sudden, you're now Denzel. <laughs> not, not you don't, you cry like Denzel. No, like no, when no, you're, no, and, no. And you're yeah. sitting there with the fucking scars on your back. <laughs> no. He had a tear like that. I've seen you hit before, Earl. You faint. <laughs> you are not Denzel. I'm not saying I was at all. I'm just, I'm just, an, it's an analogy of how I will cry. I don't openly just spot bawling. Do you believe that he thinks of himself as Denzel? No, that's a shock and a half. As far as crying goes, I mean, I'm not to, I'm not to just start weeping and sobbing. You're closer to fucking Martha Washington than you are Denzel Washington. <laughs> um, let's go to Sean. Sean, you're on my face. Leonard Skinner, Simple Man. Uh, no, this song's called Simpleton. It's about themselves and <laughs> just thinking yourself as a simpleton. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. 866 Ron Zio Fez. Uh, Jay, Jay, Fez. Hey, Ron, what's up? Um, my song is, uh, it's, uh, it's, pardon me, um, Malcolm X. The movie, not only is it the song, but it's yes, not Malcolm only the movie, the movie, but the scene. Where Malcolm X, the movie, makes me cry. Jesus Christ. Uh, Earl, did you hear this latest thing about Malcolm, Malcolm X? They said he was on the down low? No. Yeah. He he was a British newspaper. I think it was the Daily Mail. Said Malcolm X loved to put a guy's balls in his mouth. I'm I... like, you're lucky that fucker's dead. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky he's dead making that statement. So they were saying not only did he cheat on his wife, he was doing it with another man. Yeah, the DL, as you guys do. Uh, I find that the brothers are known for being on the down low. Or occasionally, you the fucking yes, thing. occasionally, but I've been so many places in my life and town. But I, I, that is the most craziest thing I've ever heard. The guy didn't do anything that remote, remotely resembling vice. I've acted out my love and stages with 10,000 people watching. We're alone and I am singing this song to you. We gotta go see Leon Ross Oral. Yeah, he, he still fucking plays bars. Yeah, he plays uh, in uh, Times Square all the time. Uh, B.B. Kings? B.B. Kings, yeah. You know who loves the Mikey background? Mike, Mikey background, Joe, like this. Ron, but I just love, love Liam Russell. <laughs> That's how he talks. You know how he talks that way? Good. And he'll go like this. Rub my hair. I go, I don't want to. Like, it's fucking strange for one man to rub another man's hair. I find it uncomfortable. <laughs> I love Leon's hair. Why don't you go rub it then? <laughs> Why well, isn't he your, uh, your down low, buddy? I'm not down low with Nova. When you go down low, it's down to the bulls. Oh, Put the hat on, Earl. Put on the Phillies cap no, right now. No, Put on the hat. Put no. on the, put the hat Phillies on. cap. We're, cap we're, on. we're back. Put a, it's, would you hat. do this? Would put you put a, on the, the sandies? Would you put on a couple of Phillies sandies? <laughs> put them on under your socks. Nobody no. will see them. Put them on. just walking around with your sanitaries on. Put no, no, no. Put them on. That's true when he does that. Do that impression of the fucking fanatic that makes me happy, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good stuff. Hey, did we get those signed things for the for the Twitter page? Yeah. Where are they? Let me see them. Um, they're still down the hall. So we didn't get them. How do we know they get signed? 
Um, I think we're putting our faith in one of the, the bookers or something. Good. Let's always do that. Let's put our faith in the people who fuck us in the ass. <laughs> That's the fucking, that makes me proud. You know what I love about my team? It's always up to someone else. That's why I love my team so much. Give me a hammer. I'm going to break the beanie cup today. No, don't do that. You know what I would like? A picture of your mom on it, though. <laughs> for the beanie cup. I can find I'll try and print something out for you. Yeah. See if you can engrave it into this little cup. Well, I'm not an engraver. Anymore. I fashion myself more of a silversmith. Fuzz, you had something on your mind you want to talk about when we get back? Yeah, there is a... TLC is moving on from John and Kate. There's a new Multiples family in town. Dave, there's something you wanted to talk about when we get back? Yeah, there is. I'm uh, thinking about... Can we still talk about some baseball or no? Sure we can. Okay, because here's the thing. Phillies put Harry Callis' jersey uh, jacket in the dugout. I will talk about that when we get back. It's the Run Fest show. What do you want, Big A? Why are you so gay? Why an hour to do a sentence all one-syllable words? Oh, come on. He's having fun with it. You're being cruel. Why so cheap? In the battle of Fez and Big A, I take Big A any day. Wheels of mean vocabulary. Why so cheap? Why so gay? In the battle of Big A and Fez, Fez's head snapped like a Fez. But there's nothing to dispense. No candy to dispense. Why so cheap? Why so gay? I'm just curious, Fez, are we ready? Eat this chili once again? Shitty lunch right away. No candy to dispense. Why so cheap? Why so gay? Fez, the bed. The beer looks like shit. I'm stopping the place. I'm stopping the place. That big guy's got a line for everything. No, face, you smell worse. Oh, that was rich. Oh, that sucked in. Pathetic. He's the put down king, that big A. That's him. He's got all the jokes. Let's just put an end to it now. Yeah. And let's just both of you stop it. Fine. Okay. Are those nipples on your chest or giant sauces? <laughs> Beard like shit, saucer nips, shitty lunch right away. No candy to dispense. Why so cheap? Why so gay? Ron Bennington, Fez Watley. It's the Ron and Fez Show on XM 202, Sirius 197. Hey, Russell, don't jump. And you can tell Rolling Stone magazine that my last words were, I'm on drugs.
Back with the Ron and Fez show on a Friday, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. That's 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. You can always email us at ronandfez at AOL.com. And there's the 202 Friends page on Twitter.com. TLC, they have gotten rid of the Goslings, John and K plus 8. That's done taping. Now they have a new family, Table for 12. This is uh, a couple. They've got two sets of twins plus a set of sex top tuplets. So they've got 12 on their show, and they're all adorable little redheads. People will forget about the cute little Asian kids like that. It is going to be... They have found a much cuter family to take over. So I think, you know, we've got our new... As long as these two don't implode, we actually have a new John and Kate. And John and Kate will be amazed at how quickly uh, they're so off the front page of the tabloids. Uh, Earl, you ever watch any of these shows? Never. I mean... I, I was a, I was like that plus eight. I was the, one of the eight. I lived it's, it already. You it's know like I mean? watching home movies for you. Yeah. Uh, Dave, what's on your mind? Well, the Phillies are putting a Harry Callis jacket in the dugout. Um, they actually have been criticized on the internet for ripping off the Angels, who put Aiden Hart's jersey there every before every game. Well, now the Angels are out. Right. <laughs> And, so let's move in uh, Harry's jacket. And then the other stuff that I see was some uh, crude Mets fans were saying is that, well, it makes sense for Aiden Hart to be there. He was a player, but why would you have an announcer and his coat in the dugout? Now, yeah, I'm put his coat in the announcing booth. <laughs> I mean, I'm all about the fills, so I don't have a problem with it, but I was just a little bit irritated that these Mets fans, they do have a problem, think it's, it's very, uh, they think it's just, it's like, it's like fake inspiration. <clears throat> Probably is. Most inspiration is fake. It's a nice way to honor the old man for crying out loud. And just because you're an announcer doesn't mean you're not part of the team. Mm. He was a big part of that ball club. For how many years, too? For a long time. It's nice. The only thing about it is maybe they could have chosen a nicer jacket. <laughs> I mean, this lime green weirdness that's, that's going on. That's the kind on. of shit he wore, though. <laughs> All those guys got bad jackets. Yeah. They wear jackets like they're on the radio. <laughs> right. It, 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 it's not the sharpest-looking jacket, but whatever, you know? Let Harry Callis rest in peace. And let Helen Keller rest in peace. <laughs> so by laying, saying rest in peace, it means you don't drag his jacket all over the fucking place. No, you, no that's not what you do. You, I, I mean, you can bring the jacket. You don't besmirch his name and say, well, they, they shouldn't do, be putting Harry Callis' coat out. Here's what I would like to s see happen. Every time someone goes up to bat, they wear his jacket. <laughs> I don't think that would be illegal, believe it or not. It's gonna. The only thing I'd probably do is take out the long ball because he wasn't a big man. You're not going to get the fucking movement that you had before. Well, it's like when the pitchers in the National League run the bases, they allow them to wear coats. Why couldn't they allow those guys to wear coats? Um, also, uh, you mentioned Helen Keller. I That's did mention Helen Keller, and she was the only one who didn't hear me, which was sad. There, there's some groups that are upset that Abigail Breslin, who played Little Miss Sunshine, has been cast as Helen Keller. Now, why are they upset? That it should be really a blind and deaf person who's playing Helen Keller. All right, why didn't people get mad when Million Dollar Baby was playing the fucking pilot that we didn't get a pilot to play a pilot? The whole thing of being an actor mm -hmm. is you're not that person. And I would have, and I'm not even kidding this, 
if Denzel Washington, right, was playing JFK in a movie, I would be fine with that. I don't get the thing of Denzel Washington. He's such a great actor. If he plays anything, it should only be a black person. I would honestly be able to go to a movie, watch Denzel play any part in it, and I would judge it on that part. So you're looking more for the essence of the absolutely. Of the so I just don't see what one has to do with the other. You know, in Shakespearean days, only men played women, and people weren't fucking freaked out about it. But there's no way in the world that you couldn't take a good actor, and if he pulls off the essence of the character, you should be able to suspend your disbelief. As an audience member, you have to do a little bit of work yourself. I remember how upset people were when uh, was Anthony Hopkins played Nixon, and he was great as Nixon. I thought, and I was like, we need an American to play Nixon. I was like, no, you don't. You just need a good actor to play Richard Nixon. And he didn't do an impression of Richard Nixon. He played him uh, in kind of his own style. But you didn't sit there and ever think to yourself, yes, that's exactly the way Nixon talked. And also with the, uh, remember Rachel, uh, uh, Jamie Foxx wasn't blind, but he played. But he did an impression. Not to fucking run Jamie Foxx down, but he did like an impression of it. I don't actually need that. I think if you play the way that the character should be played, you don't have to do it exactly. Let's face it, if you're doing, let's say, um, George Washington, I'm sure you're not playing exactly the way he talked and walked and... <laughs> You know, but enough time has passed by. When you do the impression of somebody, you're actually missing out on the fucking... You're missing out on letting the actor do his job. Yeah, so um, what's his name? Uh, Jeffrey Wright, when he played Muddy Waters in that movie Cadillac Records. Looks nothing like Muddy Waters, but he killed it. He captured I'm, the character. Here, here's what I would worry about if I, if I was some kind of fan of, of Helen Keller's. I would worry about how the story was portrayed. And how it played out. That's the way you honor her. <coughs> Not by saying, take some kid who's never acted before, but she's deaf, dumb, and blind, put her in a movie. Wait, I'm thinking of Tommy was deaf, <laughs> dumb, and blind. Helen Keller was just deaf and blind? I think she was deaf, dumb, and blind. Well, I don't think you can talk properly if you can't hear. So that was, she wasn't dumb, mm -hmm. which I don't even think we use that anymore, but she wasn't a mute, is the point there. I thought she was, I thought she was just blind. No, she was no. deaf also. Yeah. You never saw the one with Patty Duke? Uh, I was like seven or eight. I yeah. don't remember. It didn't stay with you? No. So you think I'm wrong there? Would you be able to go to a movie and see uh, a black actor play a white role? Would it, or I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me at all. All right, let's take it in the other way. Let's say you had Brad Pitt play Martin Luther King. Would that fuck with you? If he captured the essence of Martin Luther King, I wouldn't care. And he put it on his shoe polish. I uh, don't know about the shoe polish. But I meant on his shoes. Oh, okay. I forgot to uh, tell you this. Carly Simon that was, was in here sang to Martin Luther King when she was a little girl. Wow. That I didn't know. Her father was Simon from Simon Schuster. That I knew. So I wish, you know, when she's talking about taking care of her house, what a big job it is. Uh -huh. She lives on Martha's Vineyard. You know how expensive that is. Yeah. She's got 40 acres. Oh, oh my God. Butterall, no mule. Just like you. She got the 40 acres without the mule. Got, I'd rather have the 40 if I had to choose. You got 40 acres, is what you have, Fez. Uh, Tom. Tom, you're on the Run of Fez show. 
Big fan, buddy. I was wondering uh, how Cedric the Entertainer did as Ralph Cramden in your eyes. Uh, I didn't watch it, but I don't think that he actually played it the same way, right? They went in a whole different story. They just ripped off the name more than anything Basically, else. the whole uh, the skeleton of it. Bus driver trying to get rich, living in Brooklyn. Mm. And all similarities ended there. So, uh, Mike, uh, Matt, you're on running first. Uh, all this talk about Helen Keller. What's she doing on the Alabama State quarter? What's uh, what's the deal with that? Who else are you going to put there? Buffett? Well, I can hear no. you. I'm not wearing headphones and can hear you perfectly. So I know it's coming through the fucking mics. Thank what? you. I'm talking to my producing team. We had a big producers meeting today. Uh, she's on the state uh, quarter down there in Alabama because they weren't going to put Jimmy Buffett on it. You don't have a lot of people from Alabama. You can put in Skinner, uh, but they didn't even live there. They just sang about it. Yeah, I don't I even know who the, George Wallace. I don't know. George Wallace would be perfect. Maybe Bear Bryant. Uh, was he born there? That I don't know. Here's what I, and I just found this out not too long ago. This fucking Bear Bryant. Uh-huh. He wasn't a bear. <laughs> he was just a man with a nickname. The, all those years, I thought there was a bear coaching their te- team. Like a circus bear. Which would have been fantastic. He didn't even have claws. When's the next game? Halloween? Yes, uh, tomorrow night. <sighs> and then my birthday, Sunday night. Hopefully uh, the Phils will be up 3-1 at that point. Sweep two. Beat your Giants? That's the way I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Huge weekend. So now he's turned his back on the Giants, yes. too? Because of you guys. And I might he would have st- been nicer to him. Just nice. He would have been fine. That's all he wanted. He was a turncoat and a Judas. I Poor was, guy. I criticized the manager for crying out loud. I'm even going to root for Favre against the Packers this Sunday. Everything. What, 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 what was white is now black, baby. By the way, have you met my friend, Wade Earl? <laughs> Including him, I guess. You should eat those inside-out Oreos as just your way of doing something different every day. Oh, I will. I even walk backwards through a red light. I saw something on, uh, on um, the Internet where a girl got one of those flu vaccines, and now she can only walk backwards. She used to be a, t- uh, a cheerleader, and it totally fucked up her coordination. When she tries to walk forwards, she's like, she can't do it. She physically can't do it. Her, her, her muscle memory is totally gone in terms of walking. And that's just from the vaccine? Yeah, the vaccine is directly responsible for screwing her. So I am not getting a flu vaccine. Absolutely not. And I'm not going to have my kids get one either. Um, you know who else is doing the same exact thing as you? Who? Mark from Blink-182, who's trying to get all these things passed. What? He's now starting to speak out on health things. No. Yeah, it was, in the, it was on the front page of AOL yesterday. Oh. You don't know how similar you are to that guy. I hate that guy. Really? Yeah, I mean, I know it's opposite today, but I don't like that guy Wh- at all. In the 182, which number is he? Eight. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just did? No, because I would say I was number two and my wife is one. <laughs> oh, he's in between you. <laughs> I didn't mean like he's that. He's in between you right now. That's sad. sad. No, I didn't mean like that. I meant, I don't know how numbers work. <laughs> was it the flu or swine flu? All this problem happened. This was, I, no, I think it's, it was the regular flu. Okay. So you don't pay attention to all the millions of people it helped 
Just the one that it doesn't. This girl was a national award-winning cheerleader. And she... So girl. <laughs> and now she can only walk backwards. Uh-uh. I don't believe this story. <laughs> I swear to God. It's What's she going to do with her flip-flops? <laughs> I swear. I can try She's going to leave it. them every time. She's <laughs> going to lose them. She's going to flop-flip. Girl, where's your flip-flop? Sorry, Mama, but these... They only work when you go ahead. They only work when you go ahead. I don't believe this story. I've never heard of a human being that something happened to them and they can only work backwards. Yeah, it, it's true. Uh, Ron, we just got this. I just got a message on my uh, BlackBerry. We might uh, know who's going to be in the building in a few moments. Who's that? Miss Ricky Lee Jones. That'll be too much for me, Earl. I can't go from Carly Simon to Ricky Lee Jones in the same day. I will have an aneurysm. You can't bring all my childhood crushes and come swinging them uh, through the uh, doors at me. No, but who, who, who did you get the text from? I got it from... Uh, Our buddy over uh, from the management company? Yeah, from um, Gold Village Entertainment. Wow, that'd be wild. That'd be crazy. I only got the album last night. Have you listened to it yet? Yes, I have. It's pretty good. It's very good. Um, Balm and Gilead is a new album. Balm and Gilead? Uh, Ricky Lee Jones. <laughs> I mean, just the Duchess of Coolsville. She is the Duchess of Coolsville. We's all in a white boy's school. We're grabbing them all today, huh? Yeah. Well, this is really great for the black t-shirts. <laughs> They're going to be loving themselves. They might have to just turn us off today if we get Ricky in here. I wish I would have. I uh, wish she would have came in when Carly was here, and we could have had him kiss. <laughs> that, you ever hear that story of when one time at some show? I think it was at a Joni Mitchell show. Uh, Chrissy Hine was heckling, or not heckling, but yelling shit out back in Chrissy's drinking days. And Carly's like, "Could you be quiet?" And she like starts to choke Carly, and like, uh, <laughs> "You're great too," but like in the drunken fucking move, drunken buddy kind of. Yeah, yeah. The, what we call Dave and out. <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, David in Cleveland, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I uh, I seen that uh, video of that uh, woman who can only uh, you know talk talk right when she's walking backwards. I seen that. That is actual true. All right, what is, what is it that the only thing she can do now? Uh, based on the video, like whenever she's running, she can talk normal. But when she's uh, walking forward, she's all like, you know, crazy and weird. And she talks weird. It's, it's real. I've seen it. And this is from the flu vaccine? Yes, yes. Uh, Cody in Indiana. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're grasping the, the severity of this craziness. She cannot walk forward, but she can run forward. And when she does, she can talk normally. But when she stops, she just looks like she's in a rock concert. It's ridiculous. I don't understand. She looks like she's in a rock concert. I'm not picking up the full effect of this. I'm I, it just nothing that you're saying I've ever heard of before in my life. So she can run forward. She can't walk forward. She cannot walk forward. She's sort of. And how's that tied in with her speech? She stops and stops. Well, her speech is sluggish because of the thing as well. But then when she runs, she can talk. When she runs, yeah, everything goes back to normal, and, and she can walk backwards. It's like, I don't know, her wires have been totally fucked. And it's from a flu shot. Yeah, she's, she's like an old record on the wrong speed. All right, she had already had the condition, and the medication triggered it. 
She has a neurological disorder that was in hiding. All right, let's put the sound up, please. Showed me how she can't walk without twisting, jerky movements. But she walks backwards normally. Doctors say she has a rare one-in-a-million neurological disorder that was triggered 10 days after she got a seasonal flu shot. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the flu shot. me not be able to eat without passing out. You couldn't eat without passing out. I visited Desiree and her husband, Brendan, at their home in Ashburn, Virginia, to see what their daily life is like. She has to go up and down stairs backwards because something as simple as walking forward can be dangerous. And here's the unusual part about the disorder. Take a look at this. Desiree can run just fine. It's only when she stops. You see, that's where the, that's where the spasms start. Now, you can walk backwards, though, and, and, and it'll make it better, right? Yeah. She runs with a normal stride, and as I ran with her, she even spoke normally. And now you can talk. Yeah, it's weird. It fixes as soon as I start running. I mean, you sound. You sound I know it's great. I'm <laughs> you sound amazing. <laughs> and then you stop, and that's what happens. Desiree got a flu shot on August 23rd. Ten days later, she came down with what doctors have diagnosed as dystonia, a rare neurological disorder. Her jerking and twisting are the result of uncontrollable muscle contractions. There is no known cure. Are you all ready? Yes. This is home video of She's actually so gorgeous. She reminds me of Tenacious C. Two years ago. She looks just and like Tenacious C. When she was training to be a cheerleader for the Washington Redskins. Doctors say what happened to Desiree. But I don't know if I would blame this on just the flu shot, uh, Dave. It sounds like any medication could have triggered this. I, I, but yeah, but it says the flu shot triggered it. And yes, flu, but do you think you have this? You a walking time mom with oh, these same problems? God, yes. God's punished me. Identity guard. If you're doing any sort of business, any personal business on the internet, you want to make sure your identity is protected. You've got online banking. You're buying stuff online. Your credit card information's out there. Your bank account information could be out there. You want to make sure you get Identity Guard from IdentityGuard.com. They're going to make sure you're protected. If any activity happens on any of your credit card accounts, any of your banking, you're going to get an email notice on it from Identity Guard and IdentityGuard.com. takes just a few minutes to sign up, and then you are thoroughly protected. In fact, even if you do lose something due to uh, online theft, Identity Guard will reimburse you up to a million dollars. They have a million dollar reimbursement guarantee. Sign up for Identity Guard right now and make sure you're protected. Identity Guard, you're going to feel safer, more confident, and less exposed knowing that PC World's number one rated identity protection has your back. That's IdentityGuard.com. Identity Guard, making it okay to trust again. Ronnie B. Yeah. Um, outside the door right now is Mrs. Ricky Lee Jones. I didn't know she was married. Miss, oh, well, Miss Ricky Lee Jones. I, that was a bad assumption. Do we but. need to uh, break first? Um, no, we don't. Why don't should I take off my bray since she's <laughs> always worn a bray on her and album let, covers? And let them match. Rock it a little bit? Yeah. All right, the brand new uh, album by her. Bomb and Gilead. Bomb and Gilead. Uh, um, uh, we have it on us so we can play some of the tracks with her? Yes. All right, let's try to... Uh, See how long we can keep her in here. Yeah, this isn't for the black tees, but uh, I don't know how we pulled off this in the, the stuff uh, this week. Crazy oh, day. I know. Earl Douglas making magic happen. Making the magic happen. 
You know, ED. One of your heroes, Runny B. Yeah. One of the, uh, the, I will say this. I think she's the girl, the girl, Kerouac. This is the chick, Kerouac. Uh, stop it in here. Was with Tom Waits back in the day. Tom Waits. Not so shabby, my friends. <laughs> Something's changed It's not that I feel But Maybe it's that I Took care of you Too many times And you grew weaker For a kindness And sometimes Kindness from a friend Can break
Ricky Lee Jones in uh, studio with us. How are you, Ricky? I'm great. Thanks for having me. That sounds fantastic, by the way. Yeah. It's wonderful hearing that. It's exciting to hear it on the radio. It is. You know what's really fun for me? Because I just got this album last night. So you, it always is like the best time just to get the album. And you're going through it, and you just have that kind of moment to yourself going, hey, is this the song that's going to remind me of this point in my life? You know, uh -huh. what I, mean? I always love that initial feeling. I wonder if that happens as much when we get older, you know, because it happens so much when we're teenagers. Sure. And, you know, they become the markers of our lives. But when we get older, it's harder to come by, I think. Well, I think the interesting thing, though, with your audience that, uh, and this is probably not true of many ar artists, and I think female artists even have a tougher time of getting those people to stay with them. Yeah. Uh, I've been very blessed. I, I don't know, uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe, uh, it's not just nostalgic, you know, maybe it's something about that, uh, my connection to it is so emotional. And, uh, that maybe that's what speaks. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. It's an interesting thing, though, because when you said about the connection, I feel the same way about your crowd. Like, I go to different shows, but every time I'm at your show, before the show even starts, I think the people are ready to transcend. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like you said, we don't always keep that when we're younger. You know, when you're older, I think sometimes you think to yourself, well, I want to get out of there early or right. show up late, or if I don't get the good seats, I'm not going. Well, where you're a kid, you're like, just get me in the building. Yeah. And I'll worry what happens. You know, when you get older, you got a family, you got worries, you got things. So it's harder to attach so much importance to a song and, and an artist. So I think that's why it's harder to come by. And, and yet at the same time, I'm not sure whether we ever need it more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what your songs have just done for me over the years. Because uh, I don't know if I always uh, go back uh, to some of like your earlier albums, unless I'm really in the mood where I need them, you know? Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, uh, do you do the same <laughs> stuff? Well, let's talk about the title of the album here. It's called Balm in Gilead. Balm in Gilead, which uh -huh. is uh, a quote from the Bible. It is. It's from it's uh, from a passage where I think it's in, I don't know, really, I'd Psalms or Kings or something, where he, the king is saying, is there no balm in Gilead? It's a part of a list of the questions he's asking. Is there no this? Is this? But when I read it, I thought, you know, when I first heard it, I thought he was just asking, is there no balm in Gilead to heal my people? And uh, thought about my people, you know, mm -hmm. my generation or my Americans and and this music that, that heals us and, and eases our path and soothes our day. And that's how it, you know, not to make it bigger than it is, but that's how it felt to me when I listened to the record. It seemed like a balm. And, and that that was something that like you didn't name it till after you've already put the songs together. It's one of the first, one of the only records that I had no idea what to call it when it was all done. I was really searching. It was interesting because just I said last night is when I just first got the record, and I googled it, and it's actually being used now the, that exact phrase by some of the Obama healthcare people. That oh, really? they yeah. So it was that was the first thing I went into, and I'm like, I wonder if she did that consciously because I'd never heard the passage before, 
or if it's just one of those things floats around. Isn't that the strangest it thing is. in the world? It's that it's that thing in the ether. You know, when I wrote Pirates, yeah. suddenly there was pirates everywhere, and it had nothing to do with me. I remember Adam Ant. He was like, yeah. dressed up like a pirate, and just uh, who knows what it is, but our unconscious thing is, is always uh, talking. I, I do remember that as well, because there suddenly became these big pirate parades in Florida, where they would do Gasparillo, and they weren't doing that before then. Right. And I, I don't think they went, oh, Ricky Lee Jones has got a new album, let's copy it. No. But things just pop up, which is one of the really great things about songwriting, is that I it's, don't know if I've ever heard it explained in a way that I can understand, not being a songwriter. Well, there's no doubt there's an unconscious river that mm -hmm. we speak to each other with. Some of us are more aware of it maybe ESP is in there but but we're speaking to each other in the unconscious language all the time I think yeah and just picking those things up they're out there maybe we need a balm mm -hmm. so that word comes to us I don't know we need to be soothed and but what's wonderful about it is there's something in this that says we're trying to talk to one another, you know. All the time. Because a balm is, 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 is for us all, is there nothing, at least this phrase. So yeah. uh, it's a good sign, I think. That's If there's one best thing about Obama, um, aside from that, you know, uh, he got rid of the, the other situation, is that he seems to represent an idea of us talking to one another and caring for one another and if it's only because he's an articulating seemingly caring individual and that sets the pace for for a lot of how people behave with one another like when bush was in he set the pace for a kind of aggressive ruthless i care about me mm -hmm. you know attitude that uh, i don't know i seem to find everywhere i went and it's kind of interesting that that the people will swing back and forth. They'll be and music does the same thing where you're just like, you know, it seems like we're all going in this way, and just when you think it's at its worst, boom! All of a sudden, these great records will come out. Yeah, because there's been so many times when okay, rock's dead. It seemed like it was over. Yeah, it's over. We lost. Right. They won. Our redemptive uh, thing uh, rises, you know, yeah. at the hardest times. And then also using that title, too, out of the Bible, which uh, I think is interesting, is all the great religions have been connected to music. Uh, and particularly, I wonder if the early days... Is that, that's why the people were showing up. That was the place. You mean the early days of me? Or no, the, the early, early days, days of, of religion. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, the music's going to be there, and then they're also going to whip that spirituality it's, on us. It really, it's, well, it sure is now, you know, when I think, when I, and I often say it when I'm on stage, so these people, the people, they don't make a lot of money. They have hard lives, but they take that money and they buy a ticket and they all gather to sit and listen to music. Yeah. What a, what a miracle and what a testament to our true nature, you know, that we still just want to sit and have this sound come over us and say, yay, I think it's a, it's a, it's a phenomenon, and we take it for granted. Yeah, we do, and there's the experience of, you know, uh, me watching you, but there's also the experience of me being with those people. That's right. Listening to that music. That's right. So the people kind of around you can make the night happen as well it's totally their show yeah you know, their collective energy is what uh, tells me which direction to go now did you understand that when you were younger and you first started songwriting or 
that they come to you over the years? Maybe viscerally I got it. You know, I'd, I was much more um, in me and my emotions, but I would walk out and tell right away if... Um, you know what kind of night it was going to be i i never mapped out this is when i'll laugh this is the order i'll do this is what it was totally how they react to me is is how i'll react to them was it was the record companies or your management ever saying you really need to make everybody this? was totally supportive of, yeah. of how i worked and there was one manager who was doing this tour for the magazine which was that that tour was very um avant-garde you know i'd written a kind of play and it was really emotional i had to do with my dad and drugs and stuff and i was standing on the side of the stage waiting to go out and my manager said you know i got it i think you should wear leather pants <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's up until now. That's been the ma what management had to offer. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the biggest thing. Uh, we're put on Morrison's old pants and off you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Then you'll have a hit. Um, you actually started to sell your music pretty quickly after writing, right? Um, yeah. Did you sell the the, the Lil George song? Did he cover that before your first album, or did that add after? Yeah, he somebody sang that to him over the phone. Wow! He came over to meet me, and I sang it to him in his little Sony um, reel to reel. And then we started driving around and doing stuff together. And then about a month later, he came back over. I lived in a tiny uh, one-room place, and um, and he played me the finished track of... He hadn't sung it yet, but the finished track of Easy Money. Mm. I was on my way. And then he invited me to come and watch him sing it. Now, you know, I guess at the time, you know, life happens as it happens. But looking back on it, I, you'd have to say, here's one of the, the great rock songwriters that's why it was that had I, your song it felt like you know it was already written it just yeah i was once i'd gotten in the river i was going you know he he was so respected and as a songwriter and for him to choose my song as his single on his solo that was pretty wonderful. yeah i mean it's stunning and i remember even thinking your first album how cool she's covering a little George song. <laughs> you did? Yeah, and oh. it took me a while. I think just going through the liner notes again one day to wait, wait. And I, I no, I was looking at his album again. Uh -huh. And I went, Ricky wrote this song. He didn't write it. That was stunning to me. It's you know I was reading some blog or something recently and somebody wrote I like Little George's version a lot better than hers and so I went back and listened to his version because it was very different than how I heard it when I wrote it and his are pretty great yeah it's pretty yeah. great <laughs> he's not gonna <laughs> do really it poorly good. that's yeah. for sure yeah, it was really good um, you're doing a song on this uh, album that your that your dad wrote yeah uh, and was he a songwriter himself or you know, he wrote songs, and he studied acting, and he played the trumpet, but he kept a you know, straight job all his life and mm -hmm. never truly pursued doing that for a living. But he wrote, you know, three or four really beautiful songs, and this is the one I've always done uh, since I started. You started playing this on stage for a long time, but this is the first time you made the album. Yeah, it was on Rob Wasserman's duets record oh, yeah. in the late 80s, but um, very, a really different version than this version. Don't feel bad because the sun went down The night has wealth of tone Just 
around music because yeah. his love of music yeah and that starts to affect you as a little kid i mean you were open to it always well i think it was the main way my dad related to me mm -hmm. you know he was always in and out of the house and discovered when i was about eight or nine that i knew how to sing harmony and i remember this so vividly is he i remember my mother coming home from work and him saying did you know she can sing harmony and then we made this tape of uh, Bye Bye Blackbird and uh, You Are My Sunshine with me singing harmony. And then he taught me My Funny Valentine, which was a big challenge at nine because it does this key change yeah. from minor to major. And uh, I remember him being disappointed that I couldn't get that change right away. But anyway, I grew up. It, my uncle played jazz guitar and he worked professionally uh, and so Uncle Bob would come over and they would sing Honeysuckle Rose um, my dad's song Laura the, the songs Mills Brothers stuff up the Lazy River and uh, that's what I grew up I grew up with that. It's kind of interesting because when you, your style has kind of been considered like a throwback style but when you grow up with it that way 
it it's current to a little kid. It's you know? it just it's what I'm made of, you know. Yeah. yeah. Like if you grew up hearing country music, even if you sang rock and you know, in your bones you'd have a kind of country thing for just because that's just part of your people yeah. almost. So your people were kind of show business people. They all well, they enjoyed that. My grandpa was a vaudeville star. Mm -hmm. My grandmother was a vaudeville was a chorus girl. So uh, they passed that on to the kids. Uh, my uncle, my uncle Bud died young, and my my aunt evidently was killed or died when she she sang with Terry James and mm -hmm. Tommy Dorsey. So then there was Uncle Bob and my dad, and uh, so yeah, they were they were second. I won't say second hand, but you know, second, second generation. generation. Yeah. Well, once the, the carny blood will run a long way into the family. It's kind of carny. Yeah, it is kind of carny when you when you get on the road like that, or, and and your people have been on the road. Yeah. It sticks with you. Um, another one of the songs. You song, know, you're exactly because we always moved. We moved every yeah. year, and I still, you know, I get in a place and I'm looking looking for. Every a time I truck. read a new article, you're <laughs> in a different yeah. part of the world, and you're just settling in. Yeah. Um, ready to go again. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, I found this really great spot. And we're like, have you? Because <laughs> it, it's the funniest thing is once you start to figure out where everything is, you're like, what's so next? So boring. Yeah. How can you drive by the same rock or the same mailbox every day for a year? It's yeah. And there's nothing better than finding the new spots in town. Yeah. When you're new in town, you're like, hey, tr trust me, I just found a sushi place. Yeah. Follow me. That's right. Uh, the Wild Girl song uh, that is uh, just so gorgeous. And it's kind of interesting to me because you're singing it from a place now of advice, um, which I love because you were, you know, always our Wild Girl. But at the same time, you're saying go for it. Yeah. You know, it was started before my daughter was even made, you know, in about 1987, I think, or around the time I started writing for Flying Cowboys. But I wrote the first and last part of it and then just held these pieces, trying to finish it up for many years. I knew it was a real song. I just didn't have the story yet. So when my daughter, so her 21st birthday was coming... You know, sometimes these, I think these songs are like planets or dimensions or places. They live long after us and, and people come to them and they and they bring their own meaning to them. It, it will be a place people come. They're healed by it. This story is told to them that has nothing to do with the story that was told to me when I wrote it. So... I started to feel this is a place I can give, this song is a place I can give to my daughter. And once I saw that, the verses came right away. It was like waiting all these years. So you would just kind of, it would just be something in the in the drawer that every once in a while you would take out and exactly. play around with. So you have to be somewhat uh, respectful that it'll come back around again. Yeah. Because it was too good to fill something in, you know. Mm -hmm. And I've made that mistake once or twice, going, this is so great, and I'm making a record, and I'm just going to finish it. And then afterwards, regretted when that, that could have been a better song. I haven't done that often, but I have done it. So this time I just went, you know, look, I've waited 23 years. You're going to have to finish yourself now, or I'm not going to finish you. So. <laughs> I've done everything I can. Yeah. 
It's interesting. I remember Leonard Cohen saying that after he writes poetry, he sets it for a while, so it's not about that moment yeah. in time. You know, so it's not maybe so current to see whether it lasts the 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 breath of time. Right. And that reminds me of some of the songs of yours that I love. Some of these songs you could have gone back and put on Pirates or your first album and, yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, which is the consistency there is pretty amazing. I don't know what unifies it, you know, but but even though all the the records are so different from one another there's something that that's unified is it my imaginary world is right. always the same I, i'm not sure well it's kind of interesting because if you look at the album this album again you're going you know you're in the blues a little bit you're in the jazz there's a country there's a song that i immediately went I could have pictured Loretta Lynn singing this yeah. song, you know. So, and you've always done that with your albums. You know, I I grew up in that time in radio in the '60s when AM radio played all kinds of music. You could hear Bob Dylan and Andy Williams and Harry Belafonte and the Beatles all in the same afternoon, and it and so the having that kind of palette for our generation is authentic because we grew up hearing it. It comes from us naturally. Uh, one of the things that why the Beatles last so long is because they didn't limit themselves to a kind of music. They wrote whatever came from their heart. And it could be a kind of bossa nova, or it could be... And it all feels natural. So I like that school, and, and, and I, stay, I stay in that, you know. And yet, at the same time, you're almost the movement of one. All these years, you know, it's really that you, that there's something so unique about what you've done all these years. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's you know my my personality. Yeah, <laughs> the whole the whole package works. Yeah. Um, do you get younger people coming to you looking for advice now and? Uh, no, not even my daughter. Nobody's. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're never gonna get that. <laughs> I don't think no, nobody <laughs> comes for advice, I don't think. So they just, you've found this place um, between you and your audience that you're able to go. You know, they root for me. I mean, at the same time they're experiencing the songs, they seem to be also just just there to go, come on, you can do it. It's It's so loving what's going on. Tell us a little bit about his jeweled floor, too. I want to talk to you about that one. It's inspired by uh it's there's this kind of poetry called a gazelle spelled g-h-a-z-e-l mm. it's a ancient sufi poetry and uh, they're poems of ecstatic love to god kind of uh you know romantic sexual poems to god in which um the person describes himself as a lover and how to treat God as your lover and be devoted and true. There's a one poet named Rumi that uh, I like especially, and he wrote one poem called His Jeweled Floor that uh, I kept coming to over and over again. And uh, the basic thing about His Jeweled Floor was 
that uh, I'm already standing on God's jeweled floor. I think back then it was so much about courtesy and treating the guest and the strangers if, uh, as they were family. So remember that you're already seeing me in heaven. I'm there now. So treat me as you would if you met me there. But also, my mother died a few years ago. My mother was really, you know, she was the matriarch in our family. And I think at our age, at my age, a lot of people will be losing parents soon. We don't really have any rituals or songs or things that we all do and share to make that passage for ourselves or them easier. So I was clearer so I, was, I wanted to write a song uh, for those souls you know moving to heaven and for us to sing to have a song to sing when you're grieving so uh, that's it's kind of a hymn it's a kind of middle eastern hymn for the soul i guess
it's really a, a great uh, point too that you brought up that as so many of us did not stick with the religion that we grew up with it doesn't mean that we're not spiritual uh, you know that being open to different things but at the same time when that lack of ritual during important times yeah. you really do need something to really we, hold on to we have to make our own yeah. you know we and we have to tell others about it i think we you know for 12 year olds going into adolescence for you know middle aged people bearing bearing parents well all these things you know we look at at island people and we go oh they have all these rituals to mark passages and it seems to bring a kind of cultural sure. and personal order that you know can be oppressive but from a distance looks really wonderful and be nice to to have some of our own uh you're back on the road and carnegie hall again this yeah. is the first time in it's the third time in third my time? life yeah. i i debuted there I knew that you did it early on in '79. In '70, so well, you I played a club, and then we, and then we, because the club had been booked even before the record came out, and then we came back and played Carnegie Hall. There's just some rooms that are special, so beautiful. you know. We're talking about, but also to hold all that music that's been uh, played there, and you feel years. it when you're on the stage. You can still feel really those vibes. Thrilling. Uh, Ricky, thank you for everything. Not just stopping by, but. For thanks, all the for, music. thanks for having me and, and supporting my work, you know. Where, where would we be without each other? Where would I be if you weren't talking about it, you know? And let me tell you, there's been a couple of times I have no idea where I would have been without some of the songs that you wrote. A couple of life-changing moments. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for stopping in. Thank you. Regularly, Jones. Thank you. A long stretch of headlights filmed into our night They tiptoe into truck stops And sleepy diesel lights Volcanoes rumble in the taxi Glow in the dark Camels in the driver's seat A slow But you ran out of gas down the road of peace And then the battery went dead And now the cable won't read Your last chance Check on the hood
Things on TV. 